You are listening to something awesome. This is Nutty Bites. Hello, mixed nut cases. This is Nuke Chas, and I've got a special episode of Intro to Ghibli for you today. That's right, Intro to Ghibli is it, the intro cast uh, that is part of Nutty Bites, where we go through the Studio Ghibli movies and related movies, one by one, in order. And this time, we have watched Porco Rosso. Now, I'm a newbie, as is. Hi, I'm Tech, and a massive plane nerd. A massive plane nerd. So, we've all been... We haven't seen any of the Studio Ghibli movies, and we wanted to uh, be guided through this by some ancient veteran studio ghibli nerds from the talk nerdy to me podcast we have jason and i've seen these way too many times and jen i haven't seen them nearly as many times is is there such a thing as too many when it comes to ghibli well no well i mean she needed a refresher i was just like oh yeah i remember that almost scene by scene it's fine <laughs> so no there's there's no such thing as too many times i don't i don't think so so we're gonna start off with some brief overall reactions and uh we're gonna start as the newbies i'm gonna say i was happy through this whole film i had so much fun tech um it was funny watching your different reactions to animated movies because we watched uh finding dory a couple of days ago which was nutty basically having a panic attack and crying on the couch for two hours as uh, uh, compared to watching, you know, a good Ghibli film like Porco Rosso, where it's uh, the two of us in just rapt glee. I only on cried when I realized that Dory spent her whole life alone until and the, she met Marlon. And the beginning and in the yeah, middle. Yeah, that was and, in the beginning. And any part with baby Dory and any part that was sad. So the whole movie. But back to Studio Ghibli. <laughs> um <laughs> exactly. So, uh, what a what a wonderful treat of a movie, which was completely unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, I have problems. I, I have a, a couple issues with the movie, and it's the same issue I've had with all Studio Ghibli films. And when we get to the conclusion, I'll I'll, I'll talk about it then, and uh, you guys can just cue me when I can go on my plane rant. You got it. Right now? No, not now. Oh, okay. We are still doing inter- initial reactions. Initial re- initial reactions, what fun. Yeah. Oh my, what fun. So, uh, Jason, initial reactions. Gosh, when I saw this for the first time, it was back in, gosh, I want to say, back when I was in the Army, probably around 2008. And... I got to say, it was definitely different. It was, I was definitely seeing it. And I was like, wow, this is completely different. Because at this point, I had seen uh, Princess, uh, not, I'd seen Princess Mononoke. I'd seen Spirited Away in theaters, which is an amazing treat. Um, I had seen Kiki. And all of those have a very fantastical feel to them. Although I will say Princess Mononoke is probably the most violent of the Ghibli films and Miyazaki stuff. Um, but... This movie is definitely geared towards an, an older target audience. And so its themes and concepts and ideas and jokes are of that same nature. And I really like it. So I definitely, my first honest reaction to this was, wow, this is really 
different. And I think Pixar uh, is kind of working off that same feel because they want to do stuff that makes people go, wow, this is different. But I think they miss a few steps in Ghibli and Miyazaki. They hit it in stride. Well, did you notice the Pixar connection with this film? Which At least for the that? English dub. Uh, John Lasseter, the the guy who started Pixar, was the executive producer, was the guy who was in charge of the English Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he, direction. He always does that. Um if you if you guys because when I first bought these movies, there were these two disc DVD sets from back in the day. And they had um, these, every one of them started with, hi, I'm John Lasseter, and I'm here to give you today a great film of blase, blase, blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me tote off on Miyazaki right now because I get to hang out with this dude every time he comes to America. Aren't I special? Um, That's awesome. He does, a, he does this really cool intro. And, he, I mean, he did it for all of them except for Mononoke because Mononoke came out under Disney's adult imprint, which is right. here which is Miramax. And so, but they did all stick with the same format of having a behind the microphone. And so, yeah, he's, he's always kind of like looming around these movies once they hit America. That's awesome. So Jen, what are your initial reactions? I still remember the first time that I actually watched this movie and I cried a lot, but this movie is actually in my top three uh, studio Ghibli favorites. Well, like it's it's just a really sweet and emotional and hilarious movie. So would this be the be- would this be the top love story out of them for you? Yeah, you can say that. Okay, she really thought about that. One. I have issues with the I, love I did story. Have to think about that. I have issues with the love story, and we'll get there eventually. So let's get o- let's get on to the summary. Right. So Porco Rosso, it's a pig. That's right. He is a pig that flies a red plane, and he's a bounty hunter on this small island, Italian island, I guess. In the Adri- in the Adriatic, in the, Adriatic. In the early 30s, mm-hmm. uh, set in a backdrop of uh, the rising uh, of the Mussolini's fascists in Italy, which we- they kind of do as a backdrop, which is kind of cool because they changed all the flags because they really didn't want this movie to be political. So Can we, can we just say that this is like... A 1920s, 1930s sex addict's dream hideout. Like, oh, his his little island hideaway. Yeah, it's 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 perfect, dude. dude, That's a day where he probably didn't put pants on before four o'clock. Like, whenever he's there, he's not wearing pants before four. He's no, he's he's drinking wine. He's watching Cinema Magazine. He's reading Cinema Magazine. He's sunning himself on the beach. Yeah, no, the the uh, I understand the pants are there for the Walt Disney PG thirteen version. In reality. He ain't wearing he's, no pants. Yeah, he ain't wearing no pants. He's, he looks at those pants like, meh. Pants, Not today. Pants must feel uncomfortable when you've got a little wiggly tail. Um, <laughs> so he's a bounty hunter that gets called to uh, deal with pirates. Seaplane pirates. So his plane is a seaplane. Uh, does it resemble any real planes? Uh, Porker Russell's plane is actually a, uh, a Savoia S-21, as mentioned in the movie. This is a real uh, in-service Italian aircraft, uh, a perhaps one of the most beautiful float planes uh, ever designed. The problem is that it didn't uh, last in military service because the it's an air racer. And they mention this a lot. They talk a lot about the Schneider Cup, which uh, I'll give a, a little backdrop to our viewers was a very famous series of races held every other year on odd years in the 20s and 30s. 
specifically designed for seaplanes, and it was a race, and your planes had to be fast. Well, they're race planes. So uh, his uh, his friend there, Ferrari, when you see that beautiful red plane that he's in, that's just, that that looks very much like a supermarine. The planes that turned into the Spitfire, but the canopies and like. Porco Rosso's plane with the engine above and in front would really make it impractical as a fighter aircraft because you can't see anything because the engine's there. But you don't need to see anything on a race plane. You're flying towards buoys. You can see them in front of you. You don't need to dogfight and have sort of you know visibility above and in front of you, which would be critical in a, in a real fighter aircraft. So it didn't serve. It, it didn't do well in real military service. But wow, what a pretty plane! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I love the bit that we start off with where um, it opens up that he has to save schoolgirls and gold from pirates that uh, stole them from a cruise line. And the the pirates go to get the little girls and they don't seem to be upset at all that they're being taken hostage. They're excited for the adventure and they get all over the plane. Yeah, 15, well, I mean, 15 little little Japanese type schoolgirls are uh, cavorting around and playing on this float plane. And then when it lands, they immediately are like, aren't you guys afraid? Stay on the plane. No, we're all part of a swim team. And they jump in the water and they swim around and they're all having fun. And I, I think the reason there is that they know Porco Rosso is going to save them. Yeah, they're, they're well, talking thing- about it. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Well, dude, if you look at it, the way it ends when he, you know, because Porco Rosso has a thing where he does not shoot pilots. Right. And I think that's a very underspoken theme of the character. Because even in the first, later on in the first dogfight against Curtis, he loses because he won't shoot Curtis. Right. He, he only will go for a shot on the plane. And at the end of this initial fight with the pirates, he gives them part of his money so they can fix their plane, so they can go do another job, so he can get hired. Well, he offers to, and they refuse it. He says, like, if you surrender, I'll let you keep half the money so you can fix your plane, because it doesn't work for me if you guys go out of business. And I think the main reason the girls aren't threatened is because they're not afraid of Barrett, uh, of Gar- of Brad Garrett. They're not afraid, <laughs> they're not af- they're not afraid of the well, lovable Brad Garrett. So the mom, the mama Mayuta gang. Those bandits were totally loving on those kids as it is. Oh, they really were. Like, they were adorable. There was, there was no yelling. This at was all. the, the was sweet no... the sweetest, most adorable gang of air pirates in the yeah. world. The Mama Mayuta gang, um, as voiced by Brad Garrett and a bunch of other really high caliber voice actors, including Peter Wel- uh Yeah, Frank, no, Frank uh, Welker. Frank Welker. Thank yeah, you. Megatron himself is one of Frank. the gang members. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure. You and Patrick just Starfish. Pick- I'm pretty sure if you pick any movie and throw a rock, uh, Frank Welker's in it. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, but it, it's it's just fun to the. It, it would have been um, a, a great sort of little tip to the hat had he been the one in the back of the plane and the little girls. It's like I told you to stay in the plane. Do as I command. <laughs> <laughs> I I really did dig um, Brad Garrett's portrayal of this guy, uh, <laughs> and we watched the little featurette afterwards where they interviewed the various voice actors. And he said that he was going for a Bluto from Popeye thing. And I think he nailed it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, he's amazing in this movie and he's just kind of a bit character. Yeah. And the voice acting skills only go up from there. And he's already high on the horse when it comes to this skill from voice acting. I mean, 
the two top the two top characters in this thing are um Michael Keaton and Princess Bride himself. I mean, yeah. Let's, and, so let's talk about the character of uh, Curtis. Well, so we this, haven't even gotten to Curtis yet. Right. Yeah, so Carrie Elways. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We gotta go in order. Otherwise, we we're we'll going in order. No, we're not there yet. Air pirates, and yes. then we derailed. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the next scene is. So with the air pirates, though, and this adorableness with the kids, uh, one of my favorite scenes is when the kids climb up into the turret. Hey, can we come up here? Oh, okay, but don't tell the captain. <laughs> I love that. Um, so yeah, then we go to the next scene at the Hotel Adriatic. Adriatic was it? Ariana? Adriano. Adriano. The Hotel Adriano. And um, you've got all of the the sea seaplane pirates. They're talking about how they need to bring this American in. And well, oh, I can't believe we're hiring an American. Well, we can't get them ourselves. And hey. they hire Curtis, the Princess Bride himself, Cariels. Hey, but I will say this. That scene gives me some of my favorite line in the movie where they go, we can't hire an American. He's not even Italian. And the guy goes, oh, come on. Look at him. He was Italian. His, his, uh, on his grandmother's cousin was Italian. Yeah. Look at him. His, his grandmother's cousin's one quarter Italian or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's the whitest of the white American. Ever. And the fact that it's um, a Japanese movie set in Italy with an American character played by a Brit with a Texas accent. It's it's yeah, it's amazing. Now I had a question watching this. I was like, and I was like, man, I can't wait to talk to Tech. So mm-hmm. how was that French city? <laughs> Wow, that no. Actually, you know what? It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> it was pretty bad. So it was a beautiful song, and the song is called "La Tante Cerise." Um, and I'm listening to her sing this, and she's she's got a, a mouthful of marbles. She's chewing her way through the pronunciations, but it's it's pretty typical of what an American sounds like when they try to sing in French. And one of my favorite songs is called "La Vie en Rose," and I love this song. And I've been finding videos all over the place of people butchering the pronunciation and even the spelling of it that it's now spelled l-a-v-e-e-o-n-r-o-s-e la vie en rose nope and they they actually <laughs> sing it la vie en rose nope. no so le temps des series i'm listening to her sing it as well and go is she really singing the time of cherries? She must be using another word because there's no way that's what the song is actually called. She just can't pronounce that word. And then Tex- I see it scroll up in the end credits. It's like, oh, it really was called yeah. the time of cherries. Oh, okay. Texas to me goes, her French is so bad. I can't even make out what she's saying. It sounds like she's saying the time of cherries. She oh, was God. saying that she was talking about springtime, you know, <laughs> harvest and all that. So yeah. yeah, the time of cherries. I get it. Yeah. Um, pretty song. Look, myth- and I guess she's a good I mean, singer because she's done singing in in other parts for other for yeah, other Ghibli films. She's Megara in um in in Hercules. In well, yes. Yeah, she's Meg Meg in Hercules, and she's Megara in Kingdom Hearts. She's also um, someone we have yet to come across in a Ghibli film, yes. which we will later on. She'll she be in Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Yes, but her uh, and her singing is lovely. Like she's on note, but her French pronunciation is horrible. So, so in other words, she can sing, just not speak French. Just not sing in French, and it, it's one of these things that uh, that annoys me uh, uh, to no end. It's like if you're going to sing in another language, take time to learn to pronounce the language. And uh, I, I will give a giant tip of the hat to uh, ladies like Natalie Dawn, 
one of my favorite YouTube singers who actually grew up in Belgium, so she can speak French and does a wonderful job. And the other's Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt knows how to roll the R's so she can sing in French, and it is wonderful. Um, Natalie Cat Dawn's Woman. from Pomplemousse, right? Yeah, yeah, from the band, from the the YouTube band Pomplemousse. Uh, she does amazing covers of all kinds of stuff, which um, means grapefruit. Yeah, which means grapefruit. I, know, I just thought of the story Tech told about calling. <laughs> yes, Pomplemousse. Everything is Pomplemousse. I love that word. So, um, so we've got this, you know, classic cabaret cabaret singer. singer. And of course, the American is completely gaga over her, and she's just kind of like eye rolling and doing her thing. And uh, Porco Rosso asks for a table in the back, and we get the best exposition ever. But before we get to the exposition, go ahead. When he's eating his food, yes, and she walks in, is he eating pork chops? It really looked like pork chops. Yeah, that was a little creepy. Well, because here's the deal, guys. He is a pig, yes. But he's technically a man. I mean, right, he which, wasn't so, always I mean, a pig. Which, which we th- which we then do the little exposition, which is she walks in and goes, "That's a great photo there on the wall." Even though you scratched out your face because it doesn't look like you like you anymore since that spell turned you into a yeah. pig. Then well, they go, "Yep." And it doesn't look like you anymore. Oh, man. oh, Porco, are we ever going to? How are we ever going to remove that curse? Yeah. And then it fades out, and it's just exposition done. We're good, but no, I love, I love him. Yeah, because does it? Because does it? Porco say something like, "I hate that picture." Or something mm-hmm. like, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, because it like, doesn't look like and, him anymore. But my thing is like this. I think I made this assertion when we were, when, we were re- when Jen was rewatching it. I was like, no one gives a flying crap that he's a pig. Like, <laughs> like, like they just look at this like it's like, whoop, he crossed the wrong witch, and that was, and like they just move on. Well, that's like, the that's the beauty of. Um, I, I guess that's the one thing about a military culture that he's in, you know, being a, a flying mercenary, is that it's all based on performance. Yeah, I, I think the the, yeah, he's the best in the world. So the fact that he's able to get results and also a pig, everyone goes, well, he's a pig, but he's a pilot and he saved my daughter when she was kidnapped by, by air pirates. So hurray for the pig, you know? As, we, the, as the daughter's probably like, I love being kidnapped by, by plane pirates. They're great. I went swimming. As we can see in this movie, it's totally acceptable to be a pig as long as you can do your job. But if you're a woman, no, you got to apologize for that. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Porco has to eat eat crow uh, when she makes the great plague. Yeah, Although- but still, like, dude, you're a pig. Right. So what happens next? <laughs> but hey, here's the deal. He, I, I said this too when I first watched it. He owns being a pig. He like, does. He acts like a pig. Like, it's great because even when he's paying her a compliment, he does a sideways flirtation with her because he's like, because he's like, hey, later on, he's like, hey, no staying up all nighters. Your your or it'll affect your work. He's he's not just a pig physically. Yeah, he is a pig figuratively, like something we would describe a you know a man, actual man, not physical pig form, uh, being a jerk. Yeah, because he's know? like, hey, if you stay up all night, it'll affect your work. And it's bad for your complexion. Like, <laughs> Every now and then, I love that he laughs and he snorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 by the way, he refers to her big butt that's not, her, yeah, her butt that's bigger than it appears. <laughs> well, uh, we got to take out, now take out one of them machine guns. Because that butt's bigger than it looks and it's not going to fit in the plane. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, but he's, but, but you know what, though? Like, it is like, it is piggish behavior. 
but he's not malicious about it. Like he's not vindictive. Oh, or, he's still a gentleman. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is a gentleman about it, actually. Like he's he's hey. he's a very cultured swine. <laughs> Which is one of the which is one of the greatest lines delivered in this movie at the end by Brad Garrett. Shut up, you idiot! I'm trying to be classy. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, next we're at uh, another cruise line where the voiceover is being done by Tress McNeil. Fall in love with her. Love Tress my McNeil. My favorite voice actress of all time is the the very. Uh, very easily recognized announcer voice of this cruise line. We are being attacked by air pirates, but don't worry. We've outfitted this cruise liner with combat aircraft. And then they unfold out of the hangar. The wings fold down. The steam catapult. The airplanes take off. And, uh, you know, by fl- by flying officer, the, you know, the white stallion, whoever, and this other dude. And go get them, boys. And the, uh, the, the pirates, their big plan to trap Porco fails because they had their own security and their security pretty much took care of it. Meanwhile, Porco's not even paying attention. Um, although they, they did succeed in the end, but That's Porco's true. not even paying attention because he's trying to fix his engine. Yeah, I know. It's it's definitely the come on old Betsy one more time type yeah. moment. It's a trope. But yep. his his engine's leaking oil, and uh, he's trying to coax it in, into flying one more time, and he... Uh, this is definitely a Danny Glover. Uh, I'm too old for this moment. Right. <laughs> the, the 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 one thing that that annoyed me as well is like all of the pilots are flying. All of the um, airplanes are flying. Uh, the, the the pirate airplanes are flying in a line abreast formation, and they're using signal lamps to talk to each other in Morse, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I, I thought that's it was awesome. a, it was a, a brilliant device that that was added because they're yelling while they're strobing, so we we understand how they're able to communicate to each other. Except that later in the dogfight scenes when the pilots are yelling at each other, they seem to forget and they're able to yell over the sound of their own engines, which uh, would be impossible. But we also get awesome scenes of them fighting with throwing things at one another. Yes. (laughs) Oh, which is fantastic. But And completely impossible. um, This whole thing about, oh, where's Curtis? Oh, he's up there flying in the sun so no one can see him. Well, that's awesome. If you're approaching from that one angle... Yeah, <laughs> that you that you are in line with the sun. So basically, where is he? Oh, he's above and behind us. So unless you're below and in front of them, you you can see him fine. He's just over. He's over there. He's over there. He's over there. Well, they had to give Carrie Elway's an amazing entrance into the movie, which is dive bombing Porco. Absolutely. Well, so uh, as Porco decides, he's gonna he's got to take his uh, plane back to Milan. To get it fixed because he can't do it himself. Right, after Curtis shoots it down. No, this is before. Mm. He's on his way, and that's when Curtis finds him. Right. Curtis, this time not hearing him, uh, that he's not avoiding him, it's just his engine's broken, uh, proceeds to dogfight him and shoots him down. And uh, Porco manages to hide in one of the islands but curtis finds a piece of the plane and takes it home as evidence that he has shot down porco now that's that's totally the american pig way right like (laughs) "Mm, i'm not gonna confirm my kill it's fine fine. i got chunks that's enough that's enough so uh tech uh you noticed some irregularities in the flying here 
Oh yeah, it was with the um the, the the controls, and this is like really finicky, nerdy stuff, of course. And you're expecting this from me, but there, there's a scene where um he's using the rudder pedals uh to enact a slip on the aircraft, but he's moving the pedals backwards to what they should be. Uh, you push the pedal in in the side towards you want to go, not away from. So he's trying to make a left hand turn, and you see his um. Uh, the hand on the control stick moves to the left and he kicks the right pedal. So, so in other words, no one noticed but you. No one yeah. noticed but me, right. So <laughs> w- what would have happened uh, in, in reality, what would have happened is a maneuver called a slip. He wouldn't have turned. His left wing would have banked down and the airplane would have tried to nose up into the right and then it would have fallen down into the left, which is a... Uh, you know, slipping is a great maneuver to get out of somebody's guns in a hurry, but it doesn't lead into a spiraling climb that was uh, the next scene of the movie. Well, yeah, uh, the term slip is also one thing we use jumping out of planes as paratroopers because if you pull your right slip, you tip the canopy of your parachute, spill air out of it, and you move in a downward angle. Absolutely. The right. it's, the, it's, the same, it's the same aeronautical phenomenon. It's just that you don't have a wing to give you more lift. You're just falling under a basket of air, and you let the air spill out of one side and fall. Yeah, but it's still some of the best dogfighting I've seen in a movie, and I've watched a lot of movies. It, and- it really those, is. Those other movies should feel ashamed that a cartoon movie about a flying pig. Uh, Top out- Gun, we are looking directly at you. Ooh. Although I will say I would love to see Curtis and Porco in a sweaty, hot, steamy beach volleyball scene. No, that's okay. And they were no, no, but it could have been the two of them fighting two of the pirates at the beach after the thing. They could have, they had a beach right there. They could have done some beach volleyball. So um, not only is a cartoon doing it better. But a cartoon with seaplanes is doing it better. And for the most part, they're all real planes. <laughs> like, like, yeah. They are, or they're very close. Like the um, the, the Mama Ayudo gang's um, uh, plane is uh, very definitely uh, not real, but it's based on the Dornier and Blumenvoss uh, uh, flying boats of Germany of the 1920s and 30s, which are beautiful, iconic designs, and I can see their lines in the shape of the tails, and especially those push-pull engines, th- those those twin-mount push-pull engines. Uh, that's that's old-school Dornier stuff. I love that stuff. That's so cool. Keep that in mind because you actually get to see bigger, more armored versions of those in The Wind Rises, like. Mm. Because they take it in that movie, they take a trip to see the actual German engineering, uh, aviation engineering branch mm-hmm. of the military in that movie. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So, uh, and I forgot to mention it in the scene uh, previously, but uh, there is at one point where the uh, head of the gang is it's not quite wing walking, but it's I don't know. Oh, when he stands when, when he stands up with his cannon. Yeah, and he's on the nose of the plane, and he's got this cannon in his hands. Oh my gosh, I love it. Again. Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. So good. Having having a blast with this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So while you set up going to Milan, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go downstairs. I'll be right back. Oh, goody. I don't need to edit that at all. No, there's no editing here. Uh (laughs) So it's okay. We can't hear him. Uh, So next uh, we've got... Gina completely panicked because everyone's talking about how Porco's been shot down and she's going to go find him. And she gets a call from him. He's fine. 
he's on his way to Milan, which she <laughs> freaks out about now. Yes, because she's like, she's like, he's like, hey, I'm not dead. That Curtis guy sucks. Uh, but I am going to Milan. I got to get my plane fixed. And she's like, wait a minute. You're a fugitive from the Italian military. What's wrong with you? And he's like, meh. So we watched this with uh, the original captions. So we could read the translation of the original Japanese with the dubbed English. And it is drastically different. Uh, it, you know, Kiki, it was subtly different. But in this one, it is so drastically different that um, there are a lot of big times that it changes. In the Japanese, she doesn't mention a thing about there being a warrant out for Porco's arrest. She's mad because he just treats her this way like a messenger and he doesn't care. And there's all hints of the relationship there. Not about him getting caught. And and at one point she says, you better be careful or you're going to end up as pork roast, which I love. I, I really feel that, you know, in Kiki, you know, they mentioned it in both the little featurettes that mm. we watched that they changed. You know, when you're doing translation, it's more than just literally translating the words on the page. You have to make them fix contextually. And if there's like a metaphor or something, you have to be able to translate that so it fits. But there's also, you know, in animation, you also have to have it fit the mouth flaps. Yeah. And fit the the, the length of the scenes and the context that they're in. So a, a lot of the times, a, a lot of the words change. But this one here, it really felt like the House of Mouse Disney had more of a hand in it. And that Porco Rosso is definitely more of an adult movie than Kiki was. Mm. And they really seemed to take, but Disney really wanted to seem to sell this movie to a younger crowd. So there's a lot of the, a lot of the um, very adult scenes, especially the the romantic relationship between Gina and Porco, and a lot of the, especially the scenes between Porco and his uh, flying buddy Ferrari. Um, a lot of the fascist stuff doesn't come out, and they don't. Yeah. They don't. I think they say the word fascist once in the English version. Uh, they really don't want to touch on the politics of Italy of the 1930s, which is an important part to the backdrop of the yeah. story. Yeah. So having those original captions mm. was really helpful for us. Because it was, it was kind of fun could, to see both. Yeah, you could get the context of mm-hmm. both. Um, so they get the he gets to Milan and he goes to his old friend Piccolo. And Piccolo is played yeah. by... You mean, a, you mean a, an antenna green alien? No, not that Piccolo. <laughs> Put your Dragon Ball Z away. Oh, boy. No, no, this one is voiced by David Ogden Steers. I by hate, the way... I hate you, Major Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you know, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, it's the evangelist from um, from Dead Zone. Oh, my God. I'm the only person who watched that show. Yep. That's fine. That's okay, but Nicole DeBoer was hot. Um, so uh, they go and... He meets his old buddy Piccolo. Yeah, Piccolo. And what does Piccolo have but a 17-year-old girl, who his granddaughter, just returning from America, is helping him out. And Porco is... Oh, oh girl. Oh, no, I'm taking my money back. You can't fix my plane. Is it because I'm inexperienced or because I'm a girl? Actually, honey, it's both. And and give him credit. He's give him credit. He's not saying it's just because she's a girl. (laughs) Well, the thing that really bothers me is where she's like, she argues about the age thing because he was 17 when he first started uh, flying and, and she's 17 and it's totally fine and all this experience, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, there's nothing I can do about being a girl. 
what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> but because it's, because he said it was a problem. Oh, it but she's just she problem. apologizes for being female, and it's such a problem for me. No, and I understand it, it's the the era. Well, that and the fact that he listed that you got to think right. She he listed that as a problem. Her, the problem was she's a girl and she's super young and inexperienced. Yeah. She's like, look, you started fighting in your plane when you were 17. Yeah. I started making planes at 17. And I can't do crap about me being a girl, but I'm awesome at making planes. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it's funny. And um, I, I want to say that I really do adore Piccolo. Uh, you know, I can't believe you're charging me this much. Well, money's not worth anything these days. And over his, his desk, there is a sign. In Italian. In Italian that says that he will not offer anyone credit. Bull. bull because, because he says, because, I'll loan you the rest. No, but he tells him, he says, well, this won't cover it. But since you're a friend, I'll loan you the rest. Yeah. Like, and I love the line also when he's talking about how she's so young. He goes, well, I started turning her into, and I was twelve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. She, you're, you're, you're just working on planes at seventeen. I disassembled my first engine when I was twelve. Note that he's not mentioning the fact that she rebuilt an entire engine and a plane at seventeen. So then, <laughs> so then they show us the engine that won the Schneider Cup in nineteen twenty-seven, or yeah. that could have won the Schneider Cup in nineteen twenty-seven. But the airplane was garbage, but the engine was awesome, and he and managed tech to save it. And then we look down on the engine, and it's got Ghibli written on the valve cover. And and that's when Tech had the most amazing. Fangasm of all time. <laughs> well, you, you know, it was a continuous fangasm for the remainder of these scenes, where they're, they're you know, they're starting to build his new airplane now that it's, it's been, it's, it's just a hull, and they got to rebuild the wing and rebuild the engine and all the rest of it. But when they, they, they got the engine in the run-up shed with no headers, and there's just fire blowing out the end, and the whole, the all the metal cladding on the shed is starting to rattle off, and oh, oh, so pretty, so well done. So we get to I the Porco, Porco's ears flapping. <laughs> I love his ears. So we get. I guess I'm, go ahead. I, I think I'm, no. I was just saying. I think I'm the only one that when they bring in the wonderful cadre of old ladies to fix the plane. Absolutely. I'm like. I'm like those, those three I'm, little old ladies were amazing. I love grandmas. I'm they like, needed poker grandma. money. Yeah. I, <laughs> indeed, they did, and I'm like. They probably had some good eating that night. Like all those old Italian grandmas, oh, yeah. like, oh my god. Well you oh, saw yeah, that you god. saw them making like the big vat of spaghetti yeah. in the background in one of the scenes while they're while they're working on the plane. And then one of my favorite scenes in the movie, everybody sits down, Porco goes to eat, he looks up and he realizes that everybody's praying. So they're gonna sit down to Grace and there's Piccolo about to give Grace a good you know blessed. We're not there yet. Yes, we're in the same scene. No, we're not. Okay, we're fine. Skipping go, parts. Then go. Then okay. go ahead. So uh the um Fio designs the new plane and he likes it and it's she found the old specs and they're talking ah. about why it's difficult to fly. And this is where I want tech to talk. Right. So I have a this is a, one of the few scenes I have a problem with in the movie that it's um, what they did here happened as well in the uh, Fast and Furious movies is that they didn't know what to say. So they filled it with words that sounded important to everybody else went mm, sounds like airplane stuff Zerum, over your head. And you just acknowledge that they're talking about plane nerd stuff. And then he knows what he's talking about. He acknowledges that she knows what she's talking about. He kind of likes and respects her and lets her design the rest of the plane. Go get some coffee. Don't stay up all night. You know, 
an important scene. Had they talked to an aeronautical engineer and realized that everything they said was backwards. Um, so apparently, the, the, well, they, they talk about the incidence of the wing and how it has an extreme incidence of the wing that makes it um, impossible to land and take off and really tricky to fly until you're at speed. Incidence of the wing is if you look at my hand here. So if the if the airplane's flying this way and the wing is in the same direction that the plane is flying, that is called zero incidence. If I cant the wing upwards to the direction the plane is flying, that is positive. Or if I cant it downwards, I have negative incidence. You almost never have a negative incidence wing. A positive incidence wing would be... Uh, what this does is the more you cant the wing upwards, the more lift you get relative to the position of the plane. So a positive incidence wing would actually help you take off. It would actually allow the airplane to get more lift and take off in a shorter runway. You want that. That's what flaps are for. They create that positive incidence to allow the airplane to take off in a shorter space at a slower speed and use practical runways instead of need- needing the Bonneville salt flats to take your 747 <laughs> off the ground. But an extreme incident wing um, would make the plane slower, not faster. So it wouldn't be a racing airplane with a positive incident. Because you got to think, the more the wing is canted, if the plane is flying this way, it's got all that drag to counter effect. So if you cant the plane downwards to get the wing flat, now the body of the plane is like this, so you get even more drag from the fuselage not facing the same direction as the rest of the plane. So an ins- a, you know, a, 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 a massive, a, an extreme incident wing would not be conducive to either a dogfighting airplane, a combat airplane, or a, or a, a, um, a racing seaplane like he had here. Um, and, then, and then when he starts going on about, oh, we'll change it by half a degree. And ha- ba- 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 um, it was a, it had a odd negative incidents it would have been hard to launch hard to take off with it would have been impossible to take off because the wing's not facing the right direction yeah so all they had to do was reverse the talk about the incidents right Uh, they they they, or you know talk to an an aeronautical engineer to uh have this make sense and this is a common problem in pixar movies that they don't use a lot of tech consulting because they had the same problem in planes Mm mm-hmm where uh, the planes was almost ready to ship. It was almost ready to go to theaters, and it was somebody on the animation uh, team had a friend who was an aeronautical engineer who was watching one of the the early cuts of the movie and realized that all the propellers were spinning backwards. Well, my thing is... And then they went and re-rendered the whole movie so the props spin in the proper direction. And they fixed a bunch of other things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my thing is about that movie. I don't think it matters because those are sentient talking planes. It mattered anyway. But but <laughs> my my point is that they got they, they get the tech talk wrong. Yeah. And as a guy named Tech, this annoys me. Who talks? Who talks a lot? Uh, this annoys me. But um, a, a minor niggle because I, I I'm willing to I'll not ignore it. I'm willing to push this aside because the the. The scene was written so well, and the interaction between the characters was done so well. And who knew Michael Keaton was a good voice actor? Um, I know, right? Like, yeah. is, this, is this the only is this the only Carrie Elway's and Michael Keaton movie? I don't know. I it don't know. Could be, but the this scene with him and with Porco and Feel, uh, it, it it basically boils down to. Hey, you did a pretty good job designing my plane. I kind of respect you. 
I'm going to say some technical things. Wow, you know what you're talking about too, but you're just a dumb pig pilot. I kind of respect you too. Yeah, so to prove my dominance over you as a man and as the pilot of this airplane, I want you to change a minor inconsequential uh, element of the airplane. Oh, okay, Porco, I'll go make some coffee while I go redesign this inconsequential design that you want me to do. But we're friends now. Yay! Yep. Uh, it pretty much looks like this is their only thing. Um, I... Yeah, so that that's that scene. The next scene is she wants to add what to the wing? Something oh, trim about? tabs. Trim tabs. Yeah. Uh, how, uh, I want to add a trim tab. Can I? Oh, it'll really improve the. It'll really increase the cost. No, it won't. It's a. It's a trim tab. It's a. It's a. It's a little sticky you put on the one side so you can adjust it so that you can. Uh, Grandpa's super greedy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, trim. It's an extra three thousand for the trim tab. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I see the I see the businessman aspect there, but I also don't see why this hotshot engineer didn't think about that when she designed the wing in the first place. I I, I think it, this scene is interesting because we realize at this point Porco is just completely willing to let her take the reins and do everything, and he's fine with it. He's he like, why are now. you asking me? This is your baby now. And uh, there is one thing about um, Piccolo that we need to mention. He keeps telling Porco, keep your hands off my daughter, granddaughter. <laughs> You're not allowed. To- She's like a remarkable young lady, isn't she? Yeah, keep your hands off. Hands off. No, no, you can't have her. Uh, and- so then Porco says, gosh, I hope she doesn't plan on building the whole plane herself. To which we are treated to meeting all of the female relatives of Piccolo. Right. And and Porco gets introduced to every single one until we get to the grandmas who we all which, love. Which are typical three old crones. Yeah. In all black. Yep. They're they're three witches. Yep. Well, they, they're they're and, wearing mourning cuz their husbands have died. Right. And they call him Porcolino. Porcolino. Yes. I love Porcolino. <laughs> they need poker money and Again, again, no one cares that he is a that that magic has cursed this man to be a pig. Somewhere in this world, there is a witch who can cast spells. Right, but which, at the same time, nobody has cares that he's been cursed either. No, no, and he's got these three old witches that are coming to help him build his fighter plane. But not one of them is willing to, you know, I don't know, eat this garlic and pass, uh, you know, pass this tomato under a horse three times, and you'll be cured. You know, they can't help him. Yeah, which to me means they've already tried and failed. Probably, it's like. It's like no one cares. Like no one cares. Like it just every time I see someone just indiscriminately just not care about him being this human-sized pig. Yeah. Like, so there's a there's another bit of the translation here that uh Piccolino mentions it about his sons and then he mentions it Piccolo. about all the Sorry? Piccolo. Sorry. Uh I'm saying it wrong. Uh anyway, he says uh, it about all the male relatives in the English They've all gone off to work. In the Japanese, they're all dead, right? No, no, they've all gone to join the military. Yeah, they're all oh, gone. Yeah, yeah. They're all conscripted. They don't have a choice, and and that's more of that whole the uh, building of fascism in Italy as being part of the story that the English version has s- tried to ignore very nicely, um, which I thought was really interesting. And then you see all of these women building the ship, uh, the plane, which I think is amazing. And and uh, you see Porco rocking the the baby, which I thought was hysterical. Yeah, yeah. he he's he's got the important job: keep yeah. the baby from crying, so we can build your fighter plane. Yeah. And uh, and then we've got everybody sitting down to dinner. Oh, yes. And then there's the prayer. 
Ah, right, and 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 then uh, Piccolo uh, says, "Grace, you know, Heavenly Father, please bless this food that we're about to receive and forgive us, uh, forgive us, uh, forgive us our sins of having women build a fighter plane, and of, uh, having the the uh, a fighter plane built by the hands of women." Amen, amen. But it was just delivered so deadpan by David Ogden Steers that, oh yeah, by the way, we totally built a killing machine with ladies. Yeah. Sorry, God. And <laughs> and and Theo looking up and winking at Porco, and I just I love that whole scene. It, I it, wish I wish Porco had just been had looked up, saw that they were praying, and just kept eating. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing about Porco that I noticed, it, hey, it, he's it, still Italian. Is okay. Yeah, in his in his character design, is that he has the teeth of a Totoro. Yes. He he's smiles kind of, like a Totoro. He laughs like a Totoro. He's got those big, chunky squares. Now, he's got a, a, a head full of molars. Yeah. Dude, and for the most part, he doesn't have a mouth. Most of the time when he yeah. talks, just the flapping mustache. Yeah. It's when he's very excited, you'll see his teeth, and yeah. they're Totoro teeth. It, it's molars. It's 24 yeah. molars all the way around. It's fantastic. Which, which we get a really good... I, like, I think they develop the relationship between him and Fio very well to it, to the point where it actually makes me change what I thought about the ending of this movie. So I, I think some of the character, the characterization of this movie is great. I think, again, I think Porco, he's a pig and he treats people piggishly, but he does it in a very gentlemanly way. Like in, in, in the English version, he, it's a lot more platonic, I think. And in the Japanese version, uh, there's a lot more hinting at romance between the two of them. Yeah, and I, I think that what Disney couldn't change was the ending. Mm. Because yeah. I think I think the Indian the ending speaks to the a depth ship. of the relationship yeah. between him and Phil yes. that you don't get in the English uh, sub in the English uh, dubbed version because yeah, absolutely. The- because they, of they, how it ends, because of how it ends, and what happens in the ending, right. you can't deny that. Matter of fact, it's a Disney trope that they use in the end, and Disney's like, "Ah, oh, crap." Yeah, and it leads to another character trope that I really despise because um, I love the character of Fio. To me, she's like, "Oh my god, she's like the perfect girl, isn't she?" I fell in love with her as soon I as I saw her. Love, yeah, first scene, I'm in love with her. The, the, wait, wait thing is tech she would come home to you and talk about her engineering plans for this new plane and you would not need sex that evening because you would have gotten off on the because i'm having it continuously the whole time that she's talking it would just be a continuous chain of just (laughs) it's like a young kayla you know right so and and this is my problem is that there is a trope in characters so you've got the kaylee the feo the tally zora from mass effect uh the ruby that the only reason this girl exists is to make the other girl hotter. Kaylee is there to make uh, the companion, whose name I've now forgotten, Inara, hotter. Tali is there to make the blue girl, whose name I've now forgotten, hotter. Um, Theo is there to make Gina hotter. Ruby is there to make Yang hotter. And if you re- if you read like the TV Tropes articles on this trope, there's a, they, they actually go further into describe that there's something wrong with you if you like Tali yeah. and you like Ruby and you like Fio and you like Kaylee. You're not supposed to like her. You're supposed to like yeah. Inara. I, You're supposed to like Gina. And I just don't. I disagree with that trope analysis that, mm. that they, they, they keep trying to hand down that you're not supposed to fall for the little sister because come on. 
Yeah, they call it the little sister trope. And then, well, if you like Fio, you like your little sister. No, I, I no, my little sister's disgusting and weird and gross and has three kids, and she's my little sister. And I can tell the difference between Tali Zora, the purple alien in a mask, and my little sister. So yeah. we can calm down with this whole analysis. Yeah. My thing is, I think what they're trying to get at when they talk about that trope is that in Japanese animation, they have the character. They were they, they basically with with Miyazaki and those guys. They were trying not to get into the phantom, terrible land of the Moe. And so they kept her very competent, very self-assured. She knew what she wanted to do. She knew how to do it. And, and dressed was, very unflatteringly. She's wearing yes, like a mechanics, exactly. uh, so like a set of coveralls to, the whole scene. Yes. Yeah. So, they try to, so they try to cover up any appeal you have. And I think that's fine. Like if you don't want to sexualize the character and you want to make her go away from those tropes. But – but in doing so, they feed into this other trope analysis where people are like, oh, well, they're using her to make this other character better. And I, I don't agree with that because that – but Theo doesn't have any direct any direct contact with Gina until, until the conclusion. Yeah. Until after the movie's over. Right. Like, it's the epilogue. Yeah. She, she doesn't have contact with her until the end, like until the movie's done and done. Right. So I don't think that's possible for them to say, oh, well, she's to, to make Gina, you know, more attractive. No, I think what it is, is without Gina's influence, Porco doesn't have his sense of I need to protect and care for Gina, you know, because of my, my best friend Ferrari. Um, in this thing, he's like, yo, this young girl knows how to make planes. She's super confident and she's she's really great. And. Again, none of these ladies care that I'm a pig. I'm <laughs> down with it. So let's um let's keep going here. Yep. Where, so the plane is built. Yes. Now the plane needs to be launched. Yes, but oh, the secret right. police are on his tail. How did oh womp womp? <laughs> but how did the secret police know he was there? Mm. Now there was a scene, uh, I think, in this mix where we see Curtis. Uh, going back to the bar to or going to Gina's house to interact with Gina. Right. And uh, hello, I'm an American. I have met you for approximately eight seconds and I'm in love with you and will now profess marriage because it's the 1930s and everybody hey. knows everything begins with marriage. Hey, I will say this, though. Gina has the best line in the movie when he comes to her in the garden yeah. Yeah. A, little, a little later. Um and he does that. And he's like, so what's your answer? You know? And she's like, first off, you can fall in love all the time. Yeah. Over and over again. So how about you just go to Hollywood and enjoy yourself, little boy, and walks off. And I'm like, oh, it's so cold. Just slam. <laughs> yeah. There's another scene that happened earlier. Uh, sorry, between Porco and Gina, where she describes that she's been married three times and they just found the body of her third husband. Washed up in the Adriatic, he got shot down. She's she's right. she's uh, sick to death of falling in love with pirate of pilots because they all die. Yeah, sad. And then in comes Curtis, another pilot and a brash American. Um, which, which I I just thought of. I'm from America. Murray me. Murray me. Murray. And um, look here. I'm it doesn't work. No. I'm gonna be the president. You need to marry nope. me. Nope. He even says it. And it's- All right. So does he have tiny hands? Hey, we're moving on. <laughs> nope. So the fascist secret police uh, know that Porco's there and uh, they've 
his friend Ferrari gives him a tip off. Porco's watching a movie, basically, which is a cartoon about himself and fighting dragons. Oh yeah, yeah. With 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 the the, it's an obvious cartoon pig, like Hampton J. Pig, in a little biplane, sort of going around, and they got this really cool Rory style dragon who ties his neck into a knot. And <laughs> this is actually a really bad movie because <laughs> he's losing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. So uh, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. So on his way back, he sees Fio. She got a truck and he hops in and drives. And at first I'm like, oh, you got to drive because you're the man. No, he's got to drive because the secret police are following them. And he wanted to uh, to get rid of the, the secret he's, police. He's had practice uh, yeah. avoiding the secret police. And he says every time he goes there. Yeah. And uh, she wants to dissemble the plane and take it to the lake and test it out. And he says, no, I got to leave now. We're just going to leave out of the canal. So they're getting him ready to leave. There are secret police watching them ready to do the raid. And he gets loaded up. And there comes Fio. No, no, I just got to change this hatch here so I can sit with you and come with you. What? You can't come with me. That'll make you an outlaw. I'm not an outlaw. I'm I'm a hostage. hostage. (laughs) <laughs> and all of the and all of the women around her are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. This was like a a family agreement yep. that they had all made because of course they're all related, right? Yes, well, absolutely. And they're like, and the and the best part is they're all Italian, like mothers and grandmothers. You're not winning this argument. <laughs> There's no fighting no, here. No, no. And 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 you know, it's it's well th- this way when they ask us why we helped you, we had to because you kidnapped me. And we were forced to. And but when his plane goes down the slipway into the canal, all of the women run out going, Stop! What are you doing? Don't take our girl! Bring us back our granddaughter! Yeah, this is really great. And uh, so uh, through a harrowing uh, experience, leaving via canal and taking and, off. And-, and even a little technical scene. Yeah, go ahead. There's a little technical bit right here that I noticed. So they got the rudder wrong in the air, but they got the rudder right on the water, where there's no way um, um, a seaplane could make that tight corner mm-hmm. to go down the canal because um, they have water rudders, but right. you need forward speed. So there's no way they can turn on a dime. So as he's going down the slipway, he's holding onto a rope with his one yep. hand, and he uses he pulls on the rope, which causes the plane to rotate 90 degrees, and then it can go down the canal. Kind of a cool touch that they got that right, but they couldn't get the rudders right in the airplane. He's eh, mm. like he's more of a fisherman than a pilot, I'm guessing. I don't know. Have we gone well, to the scene when he gone to the when he went to the armorers yet and got uh, his machine gun fixed? Oh, I think we I think we passed that. Right, so he goes to the armor to get his machine gun fixed, and he asks for 60 rounds of ammo, which really doesn't seem like a lot and really isn't a lot. Um, and the only reason you'd only need 60 rounds is if you automatically knew that there was somebody sitting in your airplane uh, in the place where your ammunition would normally go, and you'd need less ammo because the place would be taken by a butt that's bigger than it looks, so you couldn't carry as much ammo. Yeah, except that happened before he knew she was coming. Right. Yeah. Um, unless he's a a, a a a pig with like prescience, where he was able a, to a clairvoyant of, pig. A, a clairvoyant pig. He was There's, able to. There is unprecedented magic in this movie that no one talks about. Maybe and maybe the, a spider helped him. So in Kiki, did you oh, know? Okay. So in Kiki, you remember there was little Techie, mm-hmm. the boy who dreamed to fly and had this mechanical airplane bike thing. 
And, and in Totoro. And in Totoro, little Techie was there in his naval uniform marching around, or in his army uniform marching around. Dad had him. Right. Yeah, way so, too scared to talk to the girls. Right. So did you notice little Techie in this one was the apprentice in the armorer's shop? I, see, I think it's, I think they took little Techie and they split little Techie. Because we get little Techie in the armorer's shop, but we also get little Techie as the fueling kid. And- oh, I thought that was the same kid. I thought that was the same kid. Yeah, he went from Italy to Greece. Yeah. No, no, and that was that was that was a, when that he was returns. Back. Yeah, because remember goes, she said that they're paying way too much for fuel in in Milan. It's much cheaper. Mm. And, and then he indignantly says, "Well, we don't we don't uh, water we don't, our fuel down like they do in Milan." Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so good. We don't dilute our fuel. Yeah, it, it was really great. But so, little, little techies there in that armorer yeah. shop fixing the machine guns and being cool, and the old armorer working at the working at the big uh, old school milling machine. So I think this is a theme to come. I think we're going to see Little Techie in every one of these movies. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, wait. Little Techie isn't in Grave of the Fireflies, is he? If so, I'm not watching. I thought you weren't watching anyway. Well, sure. But now if you tell me again that it's Little Techie that dies of starvation in post-World War II Japan, I'm really not watching. <laughs> anyway, so um, moving on from that sadness, because there's nothing sad about this movie. Now, so. is, is it? Because his ret- yeah, because this this leads to his return, yes. and he does the the aerobatics. Yes, the- he does the flyby uh, to show off to Gina, and as he's doing that, Curtis is trying to get his answer of marriage yeah. proposal from Gina. But any answer that Gina, any any answer that Gina could have given at this time is drowned out by the sound of her panties exploding <laughs> as Porco flies by. Well, yes. but it. But God, it's so brutal. Her rejection. Oh my God, is it so brutal? It's 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 not just you know. Look, you 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 fall in love every day. We fall in love a lot more uh, infrequently. Uh, and there's one says the person, lady who's been married three times. Yes, there's yeah, there's one person who could win my heart, but he'd have to come visit me in my garden during the day. And and Curtis is like, I'm here. It's daytime, and she goes, but he only ever comes at night. And then Porco shows up and she gets all excited and then he flies off and she goes, oh, he's not stopping. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you choose that pig. And that's what she gives the line of. Yes, I would. You fall in love every day. Yeah. So go back go to Hollywood. Have, go have fun in Hollywood, little boy. It walks all <laughs> like, oh, God, it's so brutal. She Ooh. is an amazing character. So such an amazing character. It is so brutal. Like it is like. That's the type. Like, if Curtis had not been here for the climax of this movie, like they do, they 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 think the fight's gonna happen, and he's just not there. And all they leave is a note saying, "Hey, I hung myself." Oh, like, it would have made sense because she's horrible, this, dude. She shuts this dude down so hard. Like it is, it's dear like, Gina. It's like, I love you. I'll be waiting for you in heaven. Signed, yes. Curtis. With all your other husbands. Yes, oh. I'll, I'll be waiting for you in heaven where we can make movies for eternity. And oh, just, that's that's harsh. So, so brutal. Porco's back. He's getting stocked up. He's all ready to go. Uh, as it turns out, while he was gone, they uh, passed a law getting rid of bounty hunters, um, which is not good for his business. So he's not sure he's going to deal with Curtis because what's the point? There's and, another great line in this part where he goes, where Fio goes, well, aren't you going to, 
you know, face Curtis for your honor? And he goes, no, I don't fight for honor. I fight for a paycheck. Yep. He's like, what? That's not going to pay my bills. He said, I'm a pig. Yeah, I'm a pig. I don't need to honor. Yeah. I love it. I love the amount of times he refers to himself as a pig. And it's always about his actions and his intentions and never about his physical appearance. It's great. And that and you know what? I think that's a very subtle and genius way to say, yeah, he got cursed to be a pig because he acted like a pig. Yeah. Like it wasn't like she didn't choose the form to give him. It wasn't like her no. ironic curse. The curse just took his actions and said, No, you're a pig. Yeah, he he admits it. He says, Look, I was a pig before I was a pig. You know, it just that's yep. the way of it. It just makes sense. So uh they go to the hideout and Theo gets out, she's all excited, and they hear some strange noise, and it turns out every single one of the pirates have been hiding in his tent, ready to ambush him. This is the loudest I have laughed in a long, long time. (laughs) In this this tiny, itty-bitty, like, one-man canvas tent. On a a beach in a secluded island hideout, all of a sudden... It's a clown car. Yeah, it's a clown (laughs) car of, like, 85 Mama Ayuto gang bearded giant gun-wielding pirates, which, I might say, I did notice that all of the guns they use are English. Yep. And my thinking, the best part of that is... How long have they been waiting in that tent? Yeah, oh, yeah totally. <laughs> what what else were they doing in that tent? Snuggling. Snuggling. Not bathing. Not bathing. No, no. But they, they mention that later. <laughs> oh, like... is, no, Theo mentions it later to uh at the after the fight with Curtis. Yeah. yeah. So uh keep bathing. They're they're all surrounding him. They're all upset, you know, all this other stuff. And Theo makes a great speech about honor. And what her grandfather taught her about seaplane pilots and that seaplane pilots have honor and they wouldn't do something like this. And she wins the hearts of every single one of the pirates. They are all in love with this girl right now. I think, I think it's a very subtle thing because after this is over with is how we get the agreement to have a fight against Curtis because Curtis shows up and says, Oh my God, you're beautiful. Marry me. And Porco goes, hell no, God, you creep. And, 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 and she starts crying after he leaves. And he's like, thank you for saving my life. Cause what they underplay with really good writing and really good comedy is that these pirates are going to kill this. Pig. Oh, yeah. They were totally going to kill him right then and there. And, and they've mentioned a couple of times that like, uh, if, if the Italians catch him, uh, they're not going to go through the courts because he's no. a pig. It's it's Curtis's entry into this scene <laughs> that struck me that, you know, the pirates are waiting in this little itty bitty tent in this secluded alcove on this deserted island, which is, on you know, deserted sex beach on the deserted sex beach. That is Porco's Island hideout. And then it's like, did y'all forget about me? And the camera pans up and there's like a chimney. Curtis fix the landing. Yeah, there's a there's a chimney. Uh, in this rock face and there he is spidered in the chimney and the first thought I had is like, I've been waiting here four days to make this entrance and then he jumps he does the little flip and I really thought he was going to do like the Spider-Man landing but instead he does the gymnastics hits knees wobble sort of jumps to the side gymnastics pose sticks the landing well done knees together the whole time but 
oh my god, my knees ached so much. Yes. And, I, and I'm pretty sure, Jason, as an old jumper, you're thinking to yourself, parachute landing fall, parachute landing fall. And you broke your ankles. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Come on, feet and, feet and knees together, lean forward, jab, jab out of that chimney. <laughs> and then, um, uh, of course, you know the... Um, uh, and this but is a, a, a joke that we say, do you know what the five points of contact are uh, from a parachute landing fall? It's what feet, else? head, feet, head, feet. <laughs> As you go, thup, 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 thup. <laughs> but no, like you got it. This is like the most American landing ever. Like it's flashy, it's loud, and it's stylish. And Bella Curley is clapping in the background. Landing. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, Hollywood landing. Total Hollywood landing. So, basically, what's decided is that the only honorable way to take out Porco is one on one, plane against plane, death match. So, and it is, and it is a death match because during the fight they make a note that uh, they make a note that Porco could have won the fight, but he won't shoot Curtis. Right. So, so they get to the deal, and it's one on one, and the the pirates are like, our contract with the American has expired. And the American's like, why do I got to do this? I've already shot you down once, and my contract hasn't has expired. And then he sees Fio, and he falls in love with her right away. And at first, you think. Oh, he's doing this to get at Porco. No, he's doing this because he really is exactly as Gina has described him. He falls in love with every woman he sees. And his goal is to return to America with a wife. Like, so he can become president of the United States. Yeah, so he can become president of the United States and a Hollywood star. He wants to be Ronald Reagan, basically. Um, I am not a crook. That's not Ronald Reagan. He's a crook. But it's you just make the it's the jokes. Look, robot chicken. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, so he wants to be Ronald Reagan. He wants to come home with a wife. And uh, Theo's like, sure, fine. I'll marry you, but you've got to pay uh, Porco's bills. And Porco's like, you will not marry him. There is no way you're going to do this. And I think initially the reaction is, you're not just going to marry, you're not a thing to be traded. And then, you know, there may be some of that subtext under there. Of wait a minute, no, 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 no! I don't want you marrying another guy. Yeah, I think it. I think it really. I think if you translated it roughly, it would be more of you're not going to marry him because if anyone marries you, it's going to be me. <laughs> hit, hit, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And Curtis is a dick. Yeah, <laughs> but again, that's that's all in the Japanese <sighs> version. Like in the Japanese version, when she wants to come with him, he says. But you're an unmarried woman and, and, you know, and I'm a single man and there'll be no uh, chaperone. And, you know, it's all these propriety things, whereas in the English version, it's all, no, I'm 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 scared for you. I don't want you to be in danger. You know, well, the only only time you see any of that proprietary stuff is when he blushes, like after after all this goes down and everybody leaves, she strips down her skivvies and goes for a swim and Porco blushes. Like, and again, in the English her, version... Her skivvies being a wife beater. Her skivvies, sorry, being a um, a wife beater and a gargantuan pair of knee-length bloomers. Yes, I, I, I love the undergarments in um, Miyazaki's world, just saying. That everybody wears gargantuan bloomers? Yes, yes they're, they're always awesome. They're the most unsexy things ever. Ever, <laughs> I look good in bloomers. Just saying. Um, so uh, the I want to see Jason in bloomers. Okay, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't bloomers. If you wear cat ears and a cat tail and be her Gigi <laughs> for for Balticon. 
I don't know about that, Kiki. Can I be that sarcastic and annoying for an entire con? Uh, yes. You're generally that sarcastic yes, I and can. annoying. <laughs> yes, I can. So, if you would like to see me this sarcastic at a con near you, please send a message to. <laughs> Where are they sending a message? Uh, at NukeJoss on Twitter, or you can find us on the Facebooks, and you'll get all the information at the end of the show. But please send us a message, and I can be annoying, sarcastic, and drunk at your con near you. Should we make that a special patron level? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? Yes, yes, yes. If you can pay one bottle of rye, you'll get to see Cat Pro sarcastic. That's not much. That's... That's not much. Come on. Got to make it a little higher. To any of our friends and viewers and listeners who are going to Balticon, if you would like to buy me one bottle of Gibson's Rye, I will be amazingly drunk, sarcastic, and annoying for the rest of the con, or at least until the bottle runs out. Wait, what's this? What's this? I've got an unopened bottle of Crown Royal Rye that won the International Whisking Tasting. Oh, of Northern Harvest. Harvest? Yes, I do. That's oh, yes, nice. sir. Okay, so um, oh, I'll be the top patron yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. So, so Kiki uh, makes this deal. Kiki, that, dang it, Theo makes this deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're three movies in. We're already confused. Well done. Makes this deal, and um, uh, uh, that the you know Curtis is going to pay the bill. The the loan off if he loses and Theo's going to marry Curtis if he wins. And Porco's not happy about this. Uh, he leaves. Uh, she's got the whole adrenaline rush thing. She goes for a swim in her giant bloomers and then she goes, oh no, I made a huge mistake. I should have padded the bills. <laughs> and Porco, and and this is probably one of the best genuine laughs in this movie because there's quite a few because because Porco thinks she's like upset or hurt or, or like going to drown or something. Right. And she's just like, I should have padded those bills. He would have paid anything. And like, and he's like, you're right. You should have. <laughs> and at this point, this is the point where Porco falls in love with Theo. Absolutely. Right. This is that moment where he realizes that it's not just about building the best plane. Yeah. Or helping a friend of her grandfather's. Like, she cares about him. And he surprisingly does, too. And honestly, there's a lot of time between he getting to Milan and their return. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that story. Like, that's that's probably a good love story sitting in there. So uh, An archive of our own. You know it's there. Um, uh, fanfiction.net. You, you, you know it's there. So there's a scene... Um right here where uh Theo's uh asleep in her sleeping bag on the beach mm. and I previously described the 60 rounds of ammo that he bought it well Porco is now at his table sorting the ammo and he looks to be sorting them by lot and then he's like looking at them and he's like rejecting some of them as he's going and Theo looks up and she sees Porco not as a pig but as a man mm-hmm. and then she kind you, of blinks uh, and does a double take and he's a pig again. This is a this is Lock, Stock, and Barrel where Miyazaki um, Miyazaki actually uses this again, but in the reverse in um, Howl's Moving Castle um, because there's this because the main character in that movie gets cursed and becomes an old woman. Well, when she's asleep or at night when she's taking care of Howl, she becomes her young, beautiful self again. But it's only this sounds like when- spoilers. 
It's so not really. When 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 Gina said earlier about this whole thing at the very beginning of it. When when Gina says earlier that uh, you know he only comes to visit me at night, are we to assume that Porco is human at night? Mm. And if so, if that's the implication, why did he turn into a pig again when Feo when he realized that Feo was looking at him? Or is this like an Eric? I had, that- I had that thought also because it is at night that we did see him as a man. But my conclusion was Theo sees past the pig portrayal, the um, not just the physical, but also the, you know, metaphysical of him being a pig. She actually sees him as a person. Right. And she says and she has a line that says you are a good human being. Yes, Mm -hmm. she does. Mm hmm. Which so, that's what I think that was. The the other thought I had is um is this like an Eric the Viking situation where in that movie um the person has a, a a cloak that he thinks makes him invisible but it only makes him invisible to like her dad uh, and, and and the Catholic priest right and the Catholic priest and nobody else and then it's it, it you know the pig thing is is this like the the thing where he he's a human at night. But only if no one's directly looking at him or only if nobody knows that he's he's passable human at night. Yeah, my, my thought was what if it's um, at night when he doesn't think anyone's looking. Right. So the, sorry. I, yeah, yeah, it was mystery men. Yeah. Where the guy was invisible, but only if nobody's looking. Yeah, at him. yeah, yeah. So that that was a thought I had. Is that or, a thing? Is he, is he a human only if nobody looks at him? Or, or was he thinking completely pure thoughts at that point because he was thinking not that he had to save Fio for himself, but he had to save Fio for herself. And because he was thinking selflessly, did he turn human? Just for a second. Yeah. And this is my problem with the, with, with this movie or one of the one of my 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 major niggles mm. is that. None of his behavior is that bad to deserve a curse so horrible. Right. When you see, like, the Mama Ayudo gang and the rest of the air pirates and Curtis the asshole and... Hey! I, it's acceptable. No, it's not! Okay. Curtis the taco. Um, but you've got all of these people that are acting so much worse and so... Uh, that are so much more selfish, even guys, even Piccolo, who is I mean, a selfish, money-grubbing businessman, and even Fio, who says, oh, man, I should have totally padded the bill. And everybody is committing these grievous sins. And Porco the, the himself doesn't seem to do anything that horrible that would have deserved this curse. I mean, and look I, at the old ladies. Their accusations could get this dude killed. <laughs> like, like kidnapping a child? Like, yeah, wow. exactly. But none of his behavior, he seems to be an honorable stand-up. Um, and you know what? As a, as a military person, and Jason, I, I think you said pilots are officers. I would gladly serve under Porco as an officer. Yeah, he seems he seems he seems rather knowledgeable, confident, skilled, and he doesn't do he doesn't give or or do irrational things that would violate orders or anything like that. And as a matter of fact, he, he goes above and beyond with his own personal code of ethics that's beyond what anybody would ever expect of a combat pilot. Like he won't kill. He only shoots out engines and he purposely manages his shots. 
to alleviate grievous harm when he has to. He goes so far beyond what he has to. I mean, they underplay his choice in the movie where the reason why he's a fugitive is because he didn't want to be a fascist. Mm. Like, he didn't, didn't want to go. He didn't want to go out and kill people for this type of government. That's why he became a fugitive. Yeah. star. right. Like, and, and and even when Ferrari in the theater tries to get him back. Yeah, He's it like, would I, all go away if you just come back. And he goes, I can't. Yeah, and I'd that, rather that, be a pig it, than a fascist. And that's an attest. That's a testament to his skill is that they're willing to forgive everything he's done yep. to get this dude back. But this I, is what I don't understand. Sorry, so sorry, Nutty. It's what has he done? I think Man. that it has more to do with his self hatred than anything he's actually done. And I do you think. think maybe do you think maybe because like he talks about the flashback with Ferrari where his other best friend dies, the one uh, Bandolini, yeah, who married, um, who married um, Gina. Gina. I was thinking it was Bellini, and I'm like, no, that's a, that's a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about how in that dogfight, enemies and friends alike were falling, and he never says, you know, I fought my way out, but he actually you know, says, I thought of myself only and they chased me so much to try to kill me. So do you think at that point, that battle, when he saw his best friend die and Gina's husband die, instead of going on a revenge killing spree where he knew he could outfly them all, he turned tail and run because he lost his lust for battle. And so because of that, he felt that he was a pig and a coward and shouldn't be considered a man or a human. And thus, he and it was a, a self-opposed or a self-imposed yes. curse. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I think it has to do more with his own self-hatred than anything else. And I think that it's it's the prison that he placed upon himself within his own mind. Because he's openly accepting of it through the whole yeah. movie. I mean, he refers to himself as a pig, even his actions and, and everything as a pig. And he doesn't even want to remove the curse and and have any memory of what he used to look like because he thinks he deserves to be the pig. Yeah. yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to his detaste, his, de- his detestment of what's happening with the government and the war and the military and why he left in general. Well, and I mean, can you imagine if, fighting for, uh, you know, being signed up for a military and you believed in their ideals and their goals and to have a, drastic shift against everything you believed in i can understand that that would be a huge personal crisis yeah and also like you know you when that happens in other movies you see the guys do what their government tells them to do and then when they come are confronted by it, they say oh i was only following orders well I and look at ferrari yeah i didn't agree with the orders but i had to follow orders yeah. and I also think that with his other friend who died, who married Gina, like I think one of the reasons why he left was because like he he didn't fight to his potential or he gave up fighting that way to escape. And now he has to protect her because that's his only way to atone well, for his death. And there's a lot of survivor's guilt. Um, yeah. So, uh, Jason, being with me here and being a, uh, a soldier with multiple tours, um, a soldier that has lost friends, did your heart break? during his story when he's uh explaining the vision that he had about the contrail above him and then he sees that it's nothing but all of the planes of all of the downed pilots that have died because i'm because i am a super nerd and a veteran i'm like 
you tell him, Porco. You let you let him know. But I just want to say, Miyazaki, I see that you use this again in Wind Rises. <laughs> just saying. I, I see what I'm not saying. Look, it's like in the Walking Dead comic book when 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 Tyrese is commenting to uh, Rick about an action he does. Um, he goes, hey, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I saw what you did. There. <laughs> so the wind rises the way you guys are hyping this up and the way I'm hyping it up for myself, being that it's the story of the inventor of the zero and it's a giant play nerd movie done by Miyazaki and that he did a giant, Ro- plane. a giant plane nerd and that I've watched and he's had plane nerd characters in all of his movies so far and I've just watched this sleeper hit that I had no idea existed called Porco Rosso which is the plane nerd plane nerd movie man the wind the wind rises had better be an 11 out of 10 and I know it will be <laughs> it's I Oh, man. Out of all of Miyazaki's films, that is his number one romance for me. I think he wrote the he wrote the wow. in that one. He wrote that that relationship, like the scene. One of the scene in that movie. Period. Don't describe it. Anyway, let's move let's on. Let's move on. It, it so, so like, I, I'm an, I'm a big enough man to say I cried like that. So, that so <laughs> l- let me tell you, um, I didn't cry in this movie, no. but the scene where Porco is telling the the bedtime story to feel. And he's describing the, this dream that he had that he went above the clouds and he saw all of his squadron mates after the dogfight where they had all died and they're not listening to him. They're just going up to join this contrail. And then he looks up and he sees that the contrail is all of the other aircraft of all of the people that have been shot down in World War I. And there's thousands of them yeah. all streaming up away from him and he can't join them and they're not listening to him and he yeah, has because- to go back down. And he's and, willing and to the, go in in I forget his name Bellini's place. Bandolini. Ba- Bandolini. Yeah, because he, he even calls out. He even calls out to him, and he looks yeah. at he looks down at Porco, and just flies on. And yeah. Porco's like, "Wait, what?" And I think it's really good because he prefaces his story or this scene by saying, "You know, I fought, I ran, and flew as hard as I could through the storm, through the night, through the cold, and then I see this and." I can't join them. Like yeah. it's it's almost a I survived and I don't know why and I don't know how. And is I, it one and of those survivor regret things? Right. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's survivor guilt to its yeah. infinite degree. And it's it's not only it's it's I survived and I don't know why and I really didn't want to. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and so he now, doesn't think he deserves to. No. Because See, he, he he's because he really honestly believes that his friends, the guys that died, yeah. were better than him. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's why and, I and that's why I my my interpretation of the ending. Um, I'll skip ahead a little bit here because I do that. Um, I don't think you get to the Gina. All right, well, we'll get to that. Right. We're not doing that now. Okay, so where are we now? So, uh, yeah, so he he, I think that he thinks that he is deserving to die and his friend is deserving to live because he just married Gina and he's thinking of Gina at that point too, which I think is very telling. Um, and so, I think it's great that he chooses not to shoot pilots after this. Like this yeah. is the moment. This is the moment where he picks his philosophy and sticks to it. Mm. Yeah, he's not even going the, to shoot a pilot. He'll yeah. knock the plane down. Even at the damage of his own legacy and career, because he could have shot Curtis down in that first fight, even with a broken plane. Yeah. And in the second fight, which is coming up, he's literally out flying Curtis. Like he is just he is just out doing Curtis hands down through the great narration by Brad Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> because so, they're like, Oh no, he's because you know, they say, 
you know, they're like, oh, Curtis has got him. He goes, no, he's choosing to shoot the engine. That's why. <laughs> like, it's, it's ah, Brad Garrett, amazing. So the, uh, the next day is the big dog fight, and everyone is there. Like, people have come from all over to view this. And there, there's huge festivities going on. There are bets being placed. And there's, and there's a cartoon giant sack of money with a dollar with sign. With a dollar sign yes, on there it. There is. It's like, I need at some point in my life to do something where I am paid. And the, the, the monetary unit is one sack of money with a dollar sign on it. It is fantastic. And, and, and Theo's there and she is the collateral. And- Even though at the time... Yes. Italy used the lira, yes, and not the dollar. So it would have been uh, uh, like a swoopy L, I think. But, but we know, but we know what Miyazaki yeah. is going. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going for the trope there. Absolutely. And um, the uh, the the Curtis says at some point, uh, you know, uh, just a few moments, and uh, I'll be, be We'll go to the church right away and get married. And Theo just kind of makes a face and hides her head in her hat, and he goes, "Well, just like my mother said." It's not always about the love. And then in the Japanese, oh. my mother says you can get used to anything. Oh, so gross. Oh, oh, so, so, I yeah. needed a shower after that. That was disgusting. No. Uh, Theo makes many comments about how dirty the pirates are, even though they all bathed and dressed nicely for this. Mm. Uh, more. Oh, yeah. And, and, and boss dude is like rocking the bow tie. Yeah. Yeah. And more so to impress her. Then for the event. Oh, but he's still unshaven, by the way. Like, oh, that yeah. beard, he's still rocking that Bluto beard. And everyone is in love with her. Everyone there knows exactly who she is. She needs no introduction, as they say. And uh, they all gather for a picture. And the boss punches everybody so that they don't end up in the picture. And it's just him and Theo, which is fantastic. Uh, and they take to the skies. So... I mean, this- I, I, I've throughout this whole film, there has been marvelous animation. But I think in the dogfights specifically, there is just it's why Miyazaki's films, why Studio Ghibli films are nominated for Oscars and are so legendary is that this animation is amazing. And here's the thing. This is 1992. This isn't the height of his skills yet um, because you see better animation in the wide shots of Princess Mononoke. You see better animation in the flight sequence in Spirited Away. You see even better animation and detail in The Wind Rises. Like It's like as we go through these, we're seeing more and more of Miyazaki finally coming into his style. And my God, I'm pretty sure he had some animators hang themselves in the basement. I (laughs) I haven't seen a better attention to mechanical detail in animation uh and it came after this was ghost in the shell where Mm. they went completely techno nerd and they had like a series of technical animators to make sure that the gun animations were perfect and here's a here's a hint they are um but the 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 the, um, all the switches and levers and buttons that they're they're maneuvering and manipulating in the cockpit are perfect on the engines and and just it is this you know this pistons and cylinders and just the, the, the external connecting rods on the Curtis engine, or the fact that Curtis has to reach outside and hit the the like the cocking lever on the outside of his machine guns, but Porco has it on the inside and then it breaks off and then he throws it at Curtis. Um, 
By the way, he throws it forward, so the wind catches it and pulls it back. Pulls it back and clocks him in the brain, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a uh, – it's the – you're right, the the attention to detail Yeah, again, is and back, this is back in the day before CG uh, – for uh, computer-generated animation cells. So there's just a bunch of dudes in a room sweating. For Drawing this hours. 24 times a second. Yeah, drawing this out. And here's the thing. This is why I'm totally derailing here, but this is why the opening segment in Akira is so amazing when they're doing the the, the motorcycle chase on the bridge and the tunnels and all this stuff. It's over 100,000 animation cells. There's there's just Just something... sequence alone. There's something intuitively attractive to me as an anime fan and as a dude, but a guy on a motorcycle with 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 a polo mallet... Kicking the crap out of people. Well, it's it, that opening sequence again. I think it still holds the record for the most animation cells used in uh, an introduction type style part of a film. Wow! Because they animated everything, and that anim- that that sequence holds up better than anything I've ever seen. And Akira, that's why Akira is so amazing and so legendary as it is. And I think Miyazaki himself, because of the attention to detail and because he's such a taskmaster when it comes to these films, is why he's so leg- he's so legendary. I mean, and he has a style, and we start seeing it because in there's Kamagi, the Boiler Man, and, Sp- and Spirited Away. There's Fio's grandfather in this movie. There is the there's no grandfather in. Kiki, but you could kind of say that that character has been boiled up and kind of split out between the dad, the husband of the baker lady, and um, between uh, but Gigi. The, the crones, the crones yeah. in this movie yeah. are exactly the crones from Kiki. Absolutely, and then in and then in Totoro, you have the grandma and all those guys. Like he has these elderly characters with wisdom and loving sure. and caring in all his movies, almost. But his, then, his attention to detail in all of his movies is in different places, but perfect. Like the mechanical animation of the bike in Kiki, like the flapping bike, is yeah. amazing. Um, but the there's no mechanical animation to speak of in Totoro. But what struck me in that one was the way May moved. Yes. The, 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 this tiny little wobbling toddler moved so perfectly, moved like any three-year-old I've ever met. And we're reminded a little bit of that when we see the, the schoolgirls in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same perfect character animation. I can't wait till you guys see the, uh, the, the traveling cinematic scenes in Mononoke where they're traveling across because he has to travel across a large distance and he Miyazaki does these big splash panels where they're just these huge open segments where you've got this tiny character, but these huge sequences. And he of, does he does such beautiful art in all of the scenery of mountains and clouds and all this other stuff. And and then the wind rises, you get those type of things. But they're 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 you get you get landscape scenes, you get aerial fight, you get aerial flying scenes, but you also get these these scenes where you see the drawings that they're doing of the planes um, blueprints, and somebody had to draw those. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. there's some animator with carpal tunnel, like who's who's weeping because he finished drawing the hundred animated cells of a dude's plain blueprints <laughs> right. so um the 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 dog fight scene is fantastic 
And uh, the one piece that I really loved is when um, Curtis is yelling at him, of course, that he would never hear him. Uh, oh, what is your gun jammed? Porco just goes, he goes ah! <laughs> because Curtis doesn't understand that he's not going to shoot that he's the fighting. Pilot. He's yeah. fighting with a code. Yeah, and um, he does he does the barrel roll so he can he can get the advantage and he's do a barrel roll. Sorry. Constantly outflying him, and then and then his his gun does jam, and you know Porco did say earlier that the kid sold him rusted bullets. Right. So. There, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this film, and that's just one of the many pieces. Um, and uh, they end up landing because throwing things at each other isn't enough. They land and then start a boxing match. And someone says, "Who's got a bell?" And they start following like rules and everything. And, and, and they get a, no. And the best part is they get a referee, yeah, who's actually just a dude because he knows Gina, like literally. Later on in this film, when Gina shows up, he's like, "No, Gina, wait, 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 hold on!" And like, so I'm like, "Does everybody know these people?" Like, of course. Well, it's a small island, you know. It's a it's a small community. Everybody knows everybody, and I think the dialogue. I think some of the best dialogue in this movie, so, or or I should say, some of the best characterization happens in this boxing match, because we finally see that Curtis is actually more than this braggart yes. American because he actually kind of does care about Gina. Like, yeah. Like he, he tells, he tells Porco straight up. He's like, look dummy. He's like, I was about to say dumb a, but he's like, he's like, look dummy. She's been waiting every day for you to show up in that stupid garden. Yeah. And you don't, and it's killing her. Yeah. And what? he, and he, go ahead. Go ahead. Jen. No, he, Oh, I thought that was Jen talking. Why am I? Wait, 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 wait. I'm echoing. Why am I echoing? I think a cat attacked Jen. Okay, but I need to solve the echo problem. Uh, why am I echoing? Is it because of me? I don't know. Does anybody have sound on and not headphones? Okay, it went away. I don't know what happened. All right. I think it's because I think it's because Tech has decided to just do like I said and drink. Yeah, he's he's showing off the Gibsons. Okay, hey, we can stay drinking. We love it. Yes. All right, we can return. Sorry about that. I just had to fix no, the echo. No, it's fine. Um, um, so, getting into what I was going to say, um, and and he sits there and he says, you know, pick one, and I and I think you see that Curtis really is jealous of of Porco because he keeps falling in love with these women who are already in love with Porco. So he says, best- pick one. I think the thing that hurts him the most is that he's this square-jawed, handsome American movie star. And I mean, even before he becomes one, you can tell he's definitely that that style of character. But they want this fat tubby pig. <laughs> like he's a, but the fat tubby pig, pig is adorable. Okay, just saying. He really he and he has a handlebar. He's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He literally he's he lives the ideal that I strive for. I, I am a pocket feminist because I have piggish ways. So um, they they get into this big old brawl and they are they are beating each other senseless. I mean, they've got these giant welts. They're no longer recognizable. Can, yeah, you they, they drown it. like three times in this fight because they're fighting in knee deep yeah. water. And, and Porco fights dirty as hell. Oh yeah, and oh, I I really love at, at least once or if not twice that there somebody uses a fingers interlaced 
Kirk style double axe handle chop. That happened a couple times. And when it happens, like there's the one scene when he hits and then he can't get his fingers unlocked and his fingers are all bent and say, yep, that them's his broken fingers. Yeah. That's why we don't do that move anymore. Yeah. Because that breaks your fingers. It was it, it is great. Yeah, it was fantastic. And and although there, you know, he does get saved by the bell because he knocks him out after the bell. Uh, is, before they made that rule in yeah. modern boxing. By the unify oh. and, and, and we, 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 we did have this argument, or I was yelling this at the screen last night, that by the unified rules, the bell cannot save the fighter in any round. But, but according to Jason. Yeah, exactly. it hadn't. Right, because there weren't a unified rules at this point. Okay, so that's, back, that's good to know. This is like back when Rocky Maivia was having 37 round matches because the fight went until somebody died. Yeah. So so, then- so was this IBC, WBA, WBC? <laughs> the UFC wishes they could box like that. Right. So who so who sanctions knee deep water beach fighting in Pirates. In, in the Adriatic? Pirates. Don, Don King. Don Absolutely. King. Don King. Uh, as I said, pirates. It uh, will be an annihilation, an eradication, an abomination. So they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Defies the laws of physics. They end up double throat punch knockouts. The double throat punch. Oh, yes. They both fall into the water. And it is explained to us by Brad Garrett that whoever wakes up first wins. And, and poor I, go-, go ahead. I think. I, no, I think this is probably Gina's best scene because she doesn't come. She doesn't come as Gina the lover, yeah, or Gina the bartender. She comes as Gina the agitated, worried for her friends, like mother character, and she's like Porco. Literally, it like translates to Porco. Get your a up. Quit laying down on the job, you lazy pig. And he's like. What? And yeah. he wakes and, uh, up. I'm so, I'm sorry, Mama. <laughs> he wakes yeah. up because he hears Gina's voice, and, and you know that that's a, a bit more of the romance there. The number of times in this scene that we see water stream out of his <laughs> snout as he stands up out it's of the so water. Great. And uh, we learned that. Uh, well, we had already learned that Ferrari tipped off Gina that the Italians are coming, and they say anyone who's wanted by the Italians, you might want to leave. And. Everybody leaves. No, when you look at the scene, look at the, the, the zoom out shot of the island. There's a cruise ship. There's an entire cruise ship of people that are in trouble with the Italian government that are leaving right NAO now. So- it is great. Like it is and there's like ladies with like the big hats and the white gloves and Everybody, the Italians. They're all wanted by the fascists. So they'll find out about my heroin. <laughs> my opium from the East. I have to go. And they just like skip so off. The, um, so Porco says. Before to, we move on, yeah. I have to say that if you watch the subtitles, like the Japanese text of this scene, there's. It's not just, oh, the Italian government is coming. This is the fascist yeah. uprising. This yeah. is this is the takeover by Mussolini. This is bad. Yeah, this is really so, bad. So in, other and, words, in other words, you're saying Nazis are coming. Yeah. Right. But they never use that word even in yeah. the Japanese text because it's not about the Nazis. It's not about Germany at this point. It's about Mussolini. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, it's, that's Disney saying – we can't put that spice in our kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and and the um the 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 thing about it is that earlier, uh, when talking about the fascists with Porco, uh, 
Theo says, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, it shouldn't be a problem. And he's like, yeah, shouldn't be. No, it's not how it works, Um, which I think is really interesting to note. You know, a lot of times when uh, certain (laughs) thanks, a lot of times when certain very restrictive um, and uh, harsh rules are put in place, uh, the defense is always, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't care. And it just goes to show, yeah, that that's a nice idea, but that's not how it works in practice. And, and my thing is, what shows how bad these guys are that are coming, yeah, is that these the people running from them aren't some Nancy Pantsy group of so and so. No, they're pirates. Are, yeah, these are hardened, killing, kidnapping, murderous pirates, vagabonds. Yeah, okay, but the, when they kidnap, they really just play with their hostages. Well, 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 that really, was the one that gang. Was, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true. That was the one gang, and it was a bunch of little girls, and they were <laughs> and even when, it, And even when they were allied with other gangs, they're like, okay, we're totally going to take this cruise ship. What are the other pirates? They're like, oh, I've got engine trouble. You go ahead. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, these are like, these are the these are the baddest of the bad when it comes to you know, villainy and heroism and outlawness. Yeah. And if, they're like, uh-uh, no, no, I'm not messing with these dudes. If and this is the baddest out. of the bad, I am moving to Italy and becoming a pirate on the Adriatic because I have got nothing to fear. Well, the fascists came and ruined everything. So. Right. Well, you know what? We've had 70 years at least since then. So uh, yeah. uh, 80 we're, years by now. We're kind of I'm, returning there. But anyway, so I'm the, in. the um, everyone leaves. And Porco just says to Curtis, want to help me scare, you know, uh, distract them so everybody else can get away. And Curtis is like, all right, let's do that. And, yeah, it, and it, you know, it, I, I think this is probably the moment where you realize, yeah, Curtis is kind of a big oaf. Yeah, and he's, kind he's of, not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just kind of a dummy. Like yeah. he's kind of he's just he's just kind of this dude who's very impulsive and he 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 wears his heart on his sleeve. But he's a good dude. He's and just Por- this guy, you know. And Porco, he's a pig, but he's not a bad guy. And he goes, like Tex said, he goes above and beyond what he has to do. Because he could have left. Yep. And he knew he could have flew circles around these people. But he knew everyone else could not. And yep. he also admonishes Curtis's skill as a pilot. He's saying, if you come with me, you can help me. Because I know you're good enough to get away. Yep. And right. fly circles around these dudes help me keep the others safe. And I think that speaks volumes yeah. for both their characters. And Curtis says, wait a minute, let me see your face. Let me because, see your face. Because before this, he scoops up Theo and the cartoonish bag of money yes, and throws her in Gina's plane and says, take her to a better life. Yeah. And, and, and Gina highlights this by saying, you always do this. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a slam against Porco. It's actually just a very sad thing because she's basically saying you always win the girl's heart, but in the end you choose to sacrifice yourself to keep us safe than running away with us. Yeah. And, and it's like saying, I would rather have you for a moment and you get caught, killed, and whatever than to have you out there living a life free, unable to come to me because you're keeping me safe. And, and and that's it's the tragedy. Better. This is the yeah. tragedy of this movie that w- I, I think we can safely say the four of us love Porco. 
Yes. He's a great guy. We I I would love I would love him as a boss. I think you would too. I think we'd all like him as a friend. Oh, I love him and, as a friend. Yeah. And but, when he invites you over to that sex beach to have wine and barbecues. Oh, like, exactly. And read cinema magazine oh. and go for swims and you know sleep in a sleeping a, bag on the, water. on the That's some blue water. Absolutely. The fact that you can see the bottom of the floats through the water just proves how trans uh, transparent it is because it's clean, pristine. Adri- I have swam in the We've Adriatic. Swam in the Adriatic. Yes. We went to Venice. I can tell you, it is that clean. Yeah, not not. You don't swim at Venice. No, no, you, go to Venice. Go to, go to, to Lido. Go to Lido. Yeah. Go to one of the barrier islands and yeah. swim there, and it is that beautiful and pristine and, and blue and clean. Bothering, and no one's bothering Pork about that. No. no, but this is my problem: is that I've lost my point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's I don't see the. Why he was cursed? Unless yeah. it's it's he's such a nice guy. Way, he's such a good person, and he does everything right throughout the whole movie. So unless he was an utter well, see that's what I'm thinking. Exploitive at the think, beginning, and then is on this path of redemption. Then that's what I think. I think what it was is he was the stereotypical hot shot pilot who i can have any woman any person anything i want Curtis. because 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 i no 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 He's, what 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 tech is saying is that porco was basically curtis yes but except he was curtis with fangs right like right. he was he was curtis who knew he was good knew he could kill whoever he wanted when he was in a plane yeah. so didn't care and this and, is my problem if, if if this is my big problem with the movie is that if that was the point that this was a character's path towards self-redemption and becoming, show me your face, show me your face. No, 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 no. Why didn't Miyazaki show it? Why didn't Miyazaki show us the switch from good, from bad to good? Because I think they put more, they wanted to put more value into the act and the kiss because Porco puts out there right away when she says, how about I kiss you? And I'll turn you back because she's insinuate. She basically says right there, I love you. Yeah. Right. Let me, let me fix this. Uh, it it and, would be a kiss of true love. Right. And he, and he says, save it for someone who truly matters or who you truly love. Right. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes for one, her honesty and her, the fact that she cares about him beyond her age in this movie. Cause Jesus Christ, they could have just made her 18 and I would have been fine. We'll, we, we'll <laughs> get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, and it also speaks to Porco because Porco says, look, it's, it's, it's again, again, nutty. It's the self-worth. He's like saying, I'm not worth your first kiss. I'm not worth being loved. The, yes, yeah. exactly. I'm not worth someone loving me. And that speaks to why he doesn't go to Gina, why he doesn't take the kiss from her. But in the end, she chooses to steal the kiss before she leaves because the last thing she's thinking about is Porco. And on top of that, not only is the last thing she's thinking of Porco, but it insinuates exactly what Gina said moments before of Porco. Why do you always do this? Why do you always choose the sacrificial road over yourself? And again, tech, it's like what you're saying. Like if he always chooses the sacrificial road and not the selfish save myself kind of choice, why is this dude cursed? Because yeah. it, it it's it's down to him, not anything external, not the actions he does, but how he feels about himself. And I so truly why was believe, he cursed? 
Because you know what? I, 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 and maybe this is Miyazaki's point. It's we all have inner demons. Yeah. Every single one of us will believe on any given day that we are the best person out there and that we are the absolute worst. On some people more on one than the other, but everybody has that moment that you think that you are the greatest person alive for the the smallest, most inconsequential conquest where I shoveled the driveway without stopping. I managed to leave the house today. Or I won a gold medal at the Olympics. I'm the best person alive. Or the worst person alive for the most inconsequential things. What? I edited a podcast and put it out today. Exactly. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Or I'm the worst for like the the from the biggest to I killed 39 people to I'm the worst because I can't go get the mail because the mail scares me. Well, and, and I don't want to pay my taxes because my taxes scare me. You know, there, there's these the these horrifying little individual moments that are nothing to other people that are the world to you. Everybody yeah. has got these anxieties and these insecurities, and I, I, some people can't even go outside and look at yeah. the sun. And maybe that's Miyazaki's point, but I don't understand. Why would someone curse him like this? What has he done? And it's that little bit of exposition that I'm missing. I really think that him being a pig is the physical representation of his survivor's guilt. And mm-hmm. it, it it is his anxiety and it is his depression. So why would he be cursed for that? Well, he I cursed himself is what we're himself, thinking. Right. Yeah. See, I think this is where we need to get into the ending of this film because what happens is Theo kisses him after the monologue yeah. from Gina, which is basically turns into which one of us do you choose? And Gina gives him history and experience and time, whereas Theo gives him honesty, earnest feelings, and a new a, and, a and, fresh and, start. A, a fresh start. And all and and it's symbolized by the fact that he gets his human face back. And I think my my interpretation is when when Theo gives the monologue of how her and Gina became friends and their friendship is super strong and there's been wars since then, but they still care about each other and see each other and talk to each other, you know, they they are great friends. Mm-hmm. And she never once tells who he chose. No. And she even states, well, what about Gina's bet? About well, visiting yeah. the garden and da 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 We'll just leave that a secret between us. So that's the part I want to get into now. I want everyone to tell me what do you think actually happened with his face, with Gina's bet, and what happens? What is the ending? Tech? I believe that his face came back. Because he did a a selfless act and he was able to defeat his inner demons. And given that we've now figured out that the curse is a curse that he put upon himself, that he was able to feel better about himself for doing something selfless, that he became human again. I think he got Gina because uh, society hates me and that despite Theo and Tali... And Ruby and all of the other characters being the mu- the much better match, and despite Gina being this entire movie um, a piece of warm toast with very few definable, personable characteristics that would make her attractive in the slightest, 
we're led to believe that no, she's the adult girl that I told you uh, she was in love. He was in love with, so he's in love with her. Um, th- she is the Princess Leia of this, and she is the only other girl in the universe. You have to be in love with her. She's the girl. That see, I think her character design is not that, but I think it's you know, it's the, really yeah. subtle, is what it is, and it's too know. subtle for me. Like an 18 year old can be sexy, but a 32 year old woman can be sexy as well. Okay. And I think that's the thing that they're kind of designing between the two of them. Sure. So um, for me, uh, what it is, is I really think that um, he his face did turn human, mm-hmm. but I think he goes back to being a pig. I think that his curse will be an on off thing where see, I thought of, see, I thought of something. While we were talking about all this, I'm going to go last. Okay, so uh, no, that- you've you've given me the idea of him walking down the street with his sweetheart, and he turns to look at another girl, yeah, and he turns face. back into a pig. Yeah. He's like, "Oh gosh, darn it!" Yeah. So uh, I, I I really think that you know because um, mental health is not something that instantly cures itself. I I really Absolutely feel like not. that he'll have moments where he appears to be human. And a lot of time that he appears to be a pig. Um, I think that he gives up both women. I think that he does not allow himself to go back to them. Um, I think that they that he's still part of their lives and it's very important to him. But I think much like what Gina says, you always do this, um, that he's actually going to continue that uh, that idea. And and what? He chooses the protector role. Yeah, over, yeah, over he role. he'll continue to protect them. And I think what's really great is how Gina and Theo develop this very strong relationship. The only reason they know each other is they both love the same man, and they become wonderful friends. And I love the fact that Theo still talks to Curtis, and they've actually become friends after everything that happened. And yeah, that, uh, I really enjoy that. Weird. Dude, it's all about the chin. That square jaw is just, you can't deny it. I really wish that there was some slash fic written about the Fio Gina. <laughs> oh, you know there is. You know there is. Uh, so, Jen. Wouldn't that what, make some great Yuri slash film? Jen, what do you think happened? Um, I actually agree with you on most of it. Hmm. I think that he had human face at the time that Curtis was asking him, mm-hmm. but you can't really overcome your demons that quickly. So it, and yes, there's the whole true love, you know, curse thing, but that's not going to insta fix this. If this was not a curse that was put on him, um, from an outside person that was mad at him or something. Right. You know? So I totally actually totally agree that it's an on and off curse that will happen, but that he will have his human face, um, again, um, the whole Jason pointed out earlier about Gina's garden, mm-hmm. how it's overgrown and not taken care of. You you see that during uh, Theo's little rant, mm-hmm. uh, and that makes me think that she stopped waiting for him. Ah, I like that. that. I I don't think that they got together. Um, but I do think that she stopped waiting for him. That she was finally able to see that he would not love her back in the way that she wanted 
and that she just kind of was able to move on. Um, and I, I don't think he got with Theo. I, I don't feel that there was like a romantic enough thing there. I think that Theo is a very independent woman and now, and like helped him grow. Now, Jen, I have a, ooh, I have an alternate theory for you. I think you're right. I think you're right in the wrong time. I think she stopped waiting for Porco to go with her husband that died in that dogfight. Oh! She stopped, she stopped waiting for him because he wasn't making a move. She went for this other guy. This other guy died. And that's why the garden's overgrown, because now she's lost both. And she doesn't know what to do anymore. And she's this lounge singer, and she's trying to get Porco back. And now he's he's the, he's the protector. He's the defender. He chose to protect her. She went to this other guy. He's like, you know what? That's cool. He's my best friend. He's a great guy. Oh, he's dead. I can't really disrespect my best friend that I watched go to heaven and sort of slide in all over that action. So I'm just going to stay as the defender. See, that's that. very true. See, that right there hinges on one of my assertions about the ending of this film. So tell us yours, Jan, uh, Jason. Excuse me. Lots of beer. My mm. first, my first, my first, and my first reaction to this was he chose Theo. And why I say that is because not only is she a new start for him, but also she is the things that he cares about most in life. He's playing his flying all of that his immediate passions the the things that are right there in front of him exactly and the fact that gina married his best battle buddy right he's not going to marry his best battle buddy's wife i got you covered battle buddy yeah he'll come he'll come back and protect her and keep her safe from all the pirates and hooligans and mob bosses that are intrinsically in her life because of the profession she chose but he's not going to be one of them or the key one of them. Right. But one thing I didn't realize as I listened to the ending of this film that I think is probably the more accurate ending is that Porco gained his face back because Gene, because Fio gave him the kiss of true love. But he chose not to f- facilitate that. In fact, he chose, like you say, the protector role, the role to he he loves them from a distance forever and always to keep them safe from the fact that he's a wanted fugitive from the Italian military and that the life he leads is dangerous and super, super sketchy. And also, she says herself that her and Gina have a great friendship, a strong friendship that lasted throughout multiple wars and trifles with politics politics and stuff like that yuri they become a couple yuri and they and and she literally almost she basically says it in the monologue Mm. oh that'll be our little secret exactly (laughs) like what happens with the garden that'll be our little secret the why it's overgrown is because they realize that because of porco they met their true loves that they don't need the man's in one another absolutely that would also feed into the fact that Miyazaki writes really strong female characters. He does. He does. He really does. So um, one last thing I want to, a couple of things I want to talk about before we wrap this up. Sure. Uh, so Theo is 17. Gross. <laughs> so we were talking about this and I'm like, 
so is she supposed to be a kid or is she supposed to be desirable? And then I figured, I'm like, well, it's Italy. It's the early 1900s. Age of consent is definitely not 18. It's 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 definitely under 17. And I'm sitting there and, and as Tex says, he goes, please, age of consent is the same age as drinking. By the way, there is no drinking age in Italy. <laughs> That was a joke. That was a a joke, joke. YouTube. That was was a a joke. joke. Oh, my God. I am going to hell. No, 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 no. no, no. I was making a joke. (laughs) We were talking about the fact that, you know, that isn't really going to factor in at that time and place. And that likely Miyazaki made her 17 because that's seen as a young and and but old enough to experience things kind of an age uh, for a. North American audiences, we would have liked her to be, I don't know, 18, 20, something like that. But because the law decrees it. Yeah, well, and that, because that 18, yeah, every, every, okay. everyone becomes sexy at 18. Yeah. And, and, and not sexy before. It, no. It just, it's, it, it is a bit icky. Um, for me, it's more about age difference than anything else. Sure. Um, but there's a couple of times, like with the little kids, on his plane and they've all taken off their clothes and they're just wearing bloomers and I'm like oh gosh then the authorities show up and Porco while he saved the kids is being arrested because he's got a bunch of naked girl little girls on his plane because they they mention at one point in the movie all of the charges by the government against Porco one of them is the charge of pornography yeah or or, or like Genish actually this movie the ending changes because while while Curtis is talking about marrying Gina, she ends up shooting him in the back of the head and she whispers six Cipriteranus like, <laughs> because she sees that he's going after this young, impressionable yeah. child that is Theo. Yeah, like, well, and that's the thing. So there's 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 a bunch of things that we've noticed as North Americans watching uh, the three movies that we've noticed so far. One, uh, taking off your clothes and being in your underwear isn't as big a deal as it seems to us. And um, age is different. To uh, uh, one point that just came to my mind, yeah, that I I have to ask to any if there is if there's any of the mixed nut cases that speak Italian, mm. please correct me. But in French, fille, f i l l e, fille means little girl, young girl. Mm. So in Italian, to my knowledge of Italian, that would be fia, f i l l a, fia for a, a young girl. So fio, f i o. That is the masculine end to the word. So what you're saying is it's a masculine girl. So are they saying tomboy? Oh, maybe. Is, is Fio tomboy in Italian? Or am I have I got my translation completely wrong? Because it should be well, Fia. Well, here's the deal. The same type of character in Kiki, his name was Tombo. Okay. True. In in Kiki, his the same type of character, the engineer, the plane builder, mm. the person who was not considered desirable just because of their age and their appearance. Who couldn't wait fifteen minutes for a teenage girl was yeah. called Tombo. And if Fila is masculine form of little girl, that would mean tomboyish, I guess. So I think that would feed into that. And also, again, the, you know, throughout history, even if. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I'm actually watching horses lay down for naps right now. I didn't know horses did that, but anyway, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you know, it it it's throughout history. People have said, well, you know, a girl can't do this, so I made a girl character, but she's the the she's the most masculine girl ever. So do you think maybe they were attempting that type of? Well, look thing? at the look at the major in Ghost maybe. in the Shell. 
and pretty much every female character that uh, Masamune Shiro has ever written. They are the most masculine women of all time. And um, oh, oh, the only reason he made them uh, girls was for fan service. Well, no, he had a point. Mm. Well, my thing about the major, I think she's the best character Masamune Shiro ever did, was because she even says, she's like, look, I've been in so many different bodies in so many different forms. I don't remember if I yeah. was a guy or a girl. Yeah. Right. Well, so and, and, and the major's great because, yeah, gender doesn't matter. So, um, so that's just one thing that I wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the reception. Uh, Porco Rosso was the number one film on the Japanese market in 1992. It's, um, Part of Time Out's top 50 animated movies list on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 94% rating, which is, it's basically hard to get over 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. My thing is, like, it's at this point at a 94, it's what, 20 years old? Yeah. And, and uh, apparently in 2011, there were plans for a sequel. Um, Miyazaki uh, wanted to. Uh, make Porco Rosso the last sorte, uh, sorte, oh, however you say that. Uh, and it was going to be spe- set during the Spanish Civil War with Porco also returning, albeit this time as an old pilot reflecting Miyazaki's own aging. Uh, well, that's interesting because I watched, because I think you, did you guys watch the Japanese featurette? The one where they interviewed um, the producer, uh, no. Zuka? No. Uh, because he talks about how when Miyazaki went about creating this film, that he put himself a lot mm-hmm. more in this than he normally did. So yeah. the Spanish so, Civil War was 36. So this was before that. So yeah. early 30s. Yep. Okay. So um, the uh, it was supposed to be Miyazaki writing and Yona Bayashi uh, directing, but there was a departure from Yonobayashi from Ghibli, and the project is on hiatus, and nobody knows if there'll ever be a sequel. But I do think it's interesting to talk about the fact that there was this this idea of a sequel, and um, I, I think that's pretty good. So now I'd like to go around, and I would like to have some ratings. Tech, what would you rate this? Uh, I will give this an 80%. So an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. And uh, eight out of ten what? Um, eight out of ten beautiful airplanes. And let me give you my uh, my minus twos. Mm-hmm. So minus one is for the lack of exposition. That we only get that one scene that explains why the curse and where the curse and how the curse. And I could have used a little bit more to tell me a little bit more about the character instead of having to infer it through conversation with you guys, which I love, but I'm missing that part. The other, the other point that I'm him slighting a witch in some way. Right, exactly. I, I needed that. Maybe, maybe the witch was the mom of a pilot that he killed in the Great War. I, anything, anything would have, would have given it an extra point. The other point it's going to lose for is for the same reason that Kiki's lost a point and that the, the same reason I, I didn't like Totoro, uh, but I didn't dock it a point is that Miyazaki films so far don't end. Yeah. They just they, stop. They just stop. Yeah. And that Kiki's needed an extra 20 minutes 
and that I'd say Porco needed the same thing. It needed an extra 20 minutes, and that in the epilogue, in the thing afterwards, we get this amazing development. All of these things of, like, I get, like, a scene of the the new Piccolo jet airplane and how we were best friends and all these other things happened. I think, no, give me 20 minutes more. I understand animation is expensive. I understand it's really hard to make an animated movie beyond two hours. But please. Sweating Japanese animators smoking cigarettes, making your cells. Right, exactly. I'm sorry that it's that bad, but do what the Simpsons did. Outsource it to Korea. They're cheaper. Um, As an anime fan, I'm going to tell you right now, that is not a good thing. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. know. I'm I'm making a joke. But my point is, is that I think this movie could have, I would have happily watched another 20 minutes of this and that there's there's been there hasn't been a time so far in my three Miyazaki films that I've been watching it and thought to myself you know this is dragging a little too long that hasn't happened yet and I I would have done with an extra 20 minutes to give me that extra closure that extra exposition that extra finality and would have made me feel better. I, I love this movie. I'm a giant plane nerd. I have to love this movie. It's on my top 10 list. But an extra 20 minutes would have put it on top. Okay. So uh, my rating is um, 8.5 uh, out of 10 big bottoms that don't look as big. <laughs> that don't fit into airplanes. Don't fit into airplanes. Um, I loved it. I was completely happy throughout the entire film. Uh, Both Totoro and Kiki, uh, I had moments of like with Totoro, I was really scared uh, for May. With Kiki, I was afraid for Kiki's state. Um, There were no stakes in this. And that's okay. uh, Because I was happy. Every time I watch one of these movies, I am happy. And if a movie can make me happy... It's it's going to be a winner. Um, it gets 8.5 because it's so far number three on my list. And 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 so I have to rate it as such. Uh, Jason. No, I, 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 I want to go to Jen for this one because I. Jen. Yeah, because I'm full of talk. <laughs> so <clears throat> I give this one a nine out of ten Fios. Um. <laughs> The reason that it doesn't get a full 10 is because it does leave you wondering and having questions. It has you. It leaves you with questions about the curse. It leaves you with questions about um, his relationships. And that, to me, is very unsatisfying in the mm-hmm. end. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's like when I read The Giver and it didn't have a clear ending. It makes you think and wonder... But at the same time, maybe I'm interpret interpreting it wrong. Maybe I'm, you know, it's not going the way it was supposed to. No, I agree, Jen. Uh, this is one of those movies where I don't feel smart enough. Mm. I don't feel yeah. smart enough to interpret this movie. Yeah. I don't do this. I don't do this. The, very, I don't do this very part? often. No, I don't do this very no, often. You're going to say something about the. <laughs> you do this very often. You actually do it very no, often. You interrupt. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no, Jen, continue. I'll mute him if I have to. I have to. The part Muted. of the part of the curse 
until we had this conversation, that didn't come up for me. That mm. he actually cursed himself. That didn't come up for me. Me neither. So, during this conversation, I actually looked up a press release about the movie that Miyazaki had done. And that's what it was. He had cursed himself um, because he had a disillusionment of humanity. Mm. Not just his own, but other people around him because of watching his friends um, die all in war and stuff like that. So that this, this is a movie that makes you think and it makes you feel. And then it leaves that one little niche that you're just like, wait, what? I don't, I, I need that. I need that answer. That's really beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Jason, tell just, us your thoughts. Your thoughts. First off. I don't do what I'm about to do very often, but please go check out our episode on The Giver so you can oh, understand yes. why it's amazing. Uh, he does not advertise himself very often, but The Giver episode is quite good on uh, TalkNerdyToMePodcast.com. Because Jin gets furious it's wonderful. about that movie. Oh, it's great. I try to bring it up as often. The book is amazing. The movie is not. End of conversation. <laughs> All right, so Jason, oh. your rating. So my rating is, and I, and see, it's sad because I'm the one who's seen all of these like so many times. It's terrible. So my initial rating upon seeing it would be an eight out of ten, but I have to give it an actual seven out of ten because mm-hmm. I'm seeing Miyazaki grow throughout all these movies, and I see him do this kind of story better even if it is in parts like the relationship part gets a better finality in mononoke and spirited away um as well as ponyo i think the relationship of ponyo is actually really adorable and cute and it's really really good but i also as i've noted a couple times in this episode period is that he uses a lot of these things that he tried out in this movie again Mm. in in future movies so i have to give him a seven a seven and a half, a seven and a half, uh, seven and a half out of ten, and growing Miyazaki's what? Yeah, exactly. S- seven baby Miyazaki's, seven and a half baby Miyazaki's out of ten, because when you guys get to Wind Rises, Spirited Away, Mononoke, because I think the next one is Castle in the Sky, Whispers of the Heart. If I'm not wrong, Whispers of the Heart, which oh. Oh, Which man. we will be doing live at Balticon. Live at Balticon. So this one's going to be tricky, which means instead of going on for over two hours like we've been doing. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to compress this to one hour. Compressed. So can I, can I just say right now that I'm surprised that this went two hours? I feel like even though I gave it a seven and a half, Jen gave it, you know, her rating. You guys gave it your ratings. That he can't even remember what was, we've rated it so no. far. <laughs> He's not even I, paying attention. I got, I got a six pack of beer and whiskey sitting so, here. No, even he though, was busy laughing. Even though, <laughs> but no, even though, even though we gave the ratings, I think that this one gives us more to talk about because of how he ended it. Yeah, and I know you guys don't like the lack of finality in that, but I think this is probably the best not ending that he he's ever done because after this. Yeah. And, starts giving endings and the endings are harsh like and i don't think they're harsh in what happens but they're harsh in that you can't really extrapolate from there 
Um, I think Whisper of the Heart is the last one that you can extrapolate from because Spirited Away, Mononoke, they are final endings. There is no interpretation allowed. Okay, that's great. So, uh, we have so, uh, Jen, this may surprise you, but you have rated Porco Rosso higher than Kiki. It is so far your number two. Oh, so you went back and listened. You went back and no, listened. No, I have I have all of the scores. We got we got a spreadsheet. There's baby. a spreadsheet. Every episode you can go and you can see the spreadsheet. You can see what the rating was and what it was. So Excel like Excel is our friend, baby. Jason, did you know that you gave my neighbor t- Totoro ten out of ten acorns? I did. I did. I did. Okay. And and what's sad is there's only there's probably going to only be one other movie that will rival my neighbor Totoro. So, uh, collectively, we gave this an 8.3 out of 10. Um, Tech, you like this the same amount as you did uh, Kiki. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Jason and I, we went uh, neighbor Totoro, Kiki, and Porco Rosso. So, uh, neighbor Totoro being our top rated to Porco so, so far being the lowest rated. I had problems with these last two movies that I didn't have with Totoro. Yeah. Well, Totoro's just perfection. So. I, mean, oh I, my think God. I think that's actually very accurate, actually. Yeah. I, think that, I think that's very suitable to how I am until, again, until, because I'm going to spoil a little bit of your podcast, Nanny. No, you're not. Whisper. Okay, so the feedback that no, we have. No, you're not going to. No, you're not going to. Nanny has a mute button. Yes, I do. So uh, for the feedback, uh, Shane Artis says that uh, this is his favorite Miyazaki film. Uh, Mark Oakley uh, says that uh, while trying to work out which Miyazaki film was his favorite, he realized that it's bigger than him. I gave up. Each one spoke to me in different ways at different times. Miyazaki animations are my favorite, though. I can agree. Mm hmm. Uh Lisa Rezendez, I've never said your name uh, on out loud before. Sorry if I've mispronounced it. Uh, said, I just watched the Miyazaki documentary last night. He mentioned Porco Rosso, and apparently he's not very fond of that film. I found that oh, interesting. Um, oh, I think that's called um, Something Dreams or something like that. I, I, it's a documentary on Netflix. I think it's still there. Check it out. So Elizabeth Laby says that she liked Porco also, and uh, Christiana Ellis says it's so good. And then um, I love that woman. We have got uh, everyone loves Christiana. Um, Zach Mann loves the movie. Uh, First saw it at a con in San Jose, California. So I think a lot of Americans have seen this. Uh, Steve Pritchard says, I wish I could listen. Uh, It's one of my faves. Really preferred the subtitled over the English dub version that they released. Michael Keaton just wasn't the pig to me. I Doug Michael Keaton. Um, I think that the the Porco Rosso voice is like somewhere in between Bruce Wayne and Johnny Dangerously, like right in the middle. That's ooh, where Porco that's a, is. Ooh, that's a good assertion. Yeah, the, the voice is good. I think that there's a lot lost. I I agree with yeah. uh, Steve Richards' point that there's a lot lost between the dub and the sub. Yeah, because the text has to change so much for the mouth uh, for the mouth flaps. Yeah, if there was a way to do it closer to the Japanese text, but keep. The voice, because the voice, I, I think that Michael Keaton is an underrated voice actor, and yeah. he should do more, because the the voice of Porcaroso to me, was perfect. I love that subtle, deadpan, gravelly, I am Batman. 
level of voice. I think it was good for the character. Yeah, and Aaron Makem of Sci-Fi Dig said he'd never seen it and he wanted to know why to watch. Well, we just spent two hours telling you why you should watch it. And by the way, watch it with those Japanese captions. You will miss out on all the beautiful metaphors that they have. Um, I think my favorite is uh, when he's talking to his Italian mechanic, uh, David Ogden Skears guy, uh, and the, the mechanic says, hey, you're explaining Buddhism to Buddha here. I love that. I just thought that was fantastic. So now we're uh, going to go out and we will see you all at Balticon. Uh, that will definitely hit the MP3 feed as well. Pimp. Um, I'm working on it. Yes, you. <laughs> Jen and Jason, why don't you tell us where they can find you? You can always find us on our website at talknerdytomepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdytome. And, of course, you can find us on the Twitter at nerdytomepodcast. And you can find uh, all of us at, you will hear at the end, but tech your project to pimp. My project, my project you can find everything about me trying to learn Aikido the hard way at upsidedownandflying.tumblr.com and I have to give a very special shout out this episode too what we have seen here is a fighter pilot doing everything for love mm-hmm. and it is a beautiful movie but if you want to see an equally beautiful movie about what a fighter pilot does for hate you have to look up the animated short movie called Paths of Hate. P-A-T-H of hate. P-A-T-H-S of hate. Um, it is the most beautiful animated movie I have seen ever. Uh, and so this is 10 minutes long about it is the most amazing animated thing I have ever seen in my life. And what's going to happen is that as soon as I disconnect from this feed, I'm going to watch it. It's 10 minutes long. So 12 minutes later, and I'm going to be watching the clock, I expect Jason and or Jen and or both to send me a message, if not our one viewer that I see here as well, to send me a oh, message. Oh, it's Tibby. Tibby, uh, Tibby loves this movie too. Oh, and Shane. Hi, Tibby. Hi, Shane. Whoever's watching. And Jax was here for a bit. So, and Jax, who, and to the rest of you uh, mixed nutcases, whoever is watching, as soon as we stop this feed, in 11 minutes, I expect a message about the paths of hate. Because I, if you watched Porco Rosso, or if you haven't, or if you're confused, or if you want to know what's going through my brain at any time, please watch The Paths of Hate. It is the most amazing short movie you have ever seen. Please watch. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. See you. I'm Jen, and this is Jason. And you should be listening to the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast. That was a promo. Promo? You didn't even tell them they could find us on Facebook. Where? You mean at facebook.com slash nerdy to me? Yes, and what about their website? Uh, talknerdytomepodcast.com? Yes, but you didn't tell them. Oh, uh, talknerdytomepodcast.com? Exactly. That would be a promo. Luckily, I was recording. Were you? Aww. (sighs) 
Nutty Bites is produced by Nimla Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42.